everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 138th episode of the podcast, airing June 13th, 2022. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back to the program special guest Gray Crawford to join me in an earlier promised second installment of the Astrology of 2022, uh, and this is part two of that breakdown. So Gray joined me again, uh, and we picked up where we left off from our initial 2022 Astro Breakdown that was previously released back in December of 2021. Now, this year has so much potent astrology that we weren't able to fully dissect all the juicy aspects in our first go-around, so we agreed to meet again halfway through the year to unpack the summer and fall months. We also recap what has happened so far in this year and the role the 2022 Aries ingress, 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 that's funny in itself, ingress played in all the action. There's so much still to come, so we do hope you find value in another one of our mutable marathon astro chats. Now, to see us while we interact with the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. If you'd like to support this program, feel free to come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can leave a tip or you can book a personal consultation. Uh, And you can also sign up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, while you're there, which is free to come to your inbox once a month. All you have to do is sign up on the front page of my website. Now, just before we get started here, just a little teaser to let you know that Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology and I are cooking up a learning opportunity that is coming this summer. More information will be divulged on the solstice, so stay tuned for what's to come down the pipeline. All right, so who is ready to hear all about the second half of 2022? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, I am happy to welcome back. We have Gray Crawford with us here today. Thanks for joining me, Gray, on our part two of 2020, 2022. That was a lot of twos. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready to do a more thorough second half forecast this time. And so what we're doing here today, if you caught Gray and I... Um, do an, the astrology of 2022 at the end of 2021, which was an epically long broadcast because, you know, that's how, that's just what happens when you got mutable energy that wants to talk in the room. Well, Gray and I intended to do 2022 in its entirety, but after, I don't know, three and a half hours, <laughs> we realized that there was too much to say. And we promised you a part two version of the astrology of this year. Um, and so that is what we are doing here today. So we are going to talk all about the cancer, basically cancer through Capricorn solstice season, you know, July through December or late June through December. Um, and, uh, and give a little recap on what's happened too, and just touch on a couple of those energies that we had already fully discussed. Um, but also take a look at, you know, what's 2022 brought us so far. A lot, <laughs> plenty to talk about. But um, before we get started there, just in case you haven't caught bro- programs before where I've had Gray on or just Gray's work in general, uh, Gray, share a little bit about yourself before we get started. Sure. Yeah. My website is gray, G-R-A-Y Crawford.net. And I write regularly on there so you can check out my writing. I have a Patreon through there too you can connect with that involves on one level, there's like monthly 
meetings around the new moon and on a higher level around, sort of around the full moons there is a more um educational co- uh, group or more like teaching um different techniques um like right now we're we've been going through annual perfections for example hmm. fun yeah. stuff well, we'll definitely go check Gray out because uh, he offers plenty, uh, but also writes beautifully. So if you want to immerse yourself in astrological poetry, I could say, not a literal poem, but you know, just the way you write with your Mercury and Pisces, it just has a flow to it that is very creative. Um, and so I highly recommend that you check out Gray's writing. But uh, today we're not writing, we're talking. We're going to talk all about... <laughs> 2022 what's left uh well let's recap what's been so far um obviously we're halfway through the year we have enacted the aries ingress uh which was pretty pretty juicy uh of a chart um (laughs) and so i'm just gonna you know what have you noticed about the first half of 2022 and maybe even relation to the aries ingress or just general themes what's what pops out to Mm -hmm. you yeah, I actually got out my notes to look at what I had written before we talked last time, which is just sort of what are some themes I thought about the year. And I was noticing I wrote things like kind of formlessness with like this kind of flux and disintegration and kind of being curious about that and how, you know, what, what new could like emerge out of this sort of disintegrative mm. shape-shifting time in a way. And that was partially because of all the you know, starting the year with um, Venus retrograde and Mercury retrograde and that long Venus Pluto, Mars, Venus, Pluto leading into Jupiter, Neptune, and then these eclipses, which we knew we predicted all astrologers thought would kind of really in this kind of Jupiter, Neptune formless kind of things kind of dissolving, then just like, you know, kind of bam, you know, these eclipses coming in on Uranus, um, activating the North Node and Taurus and Saturn and Aquarius being squaring the nodes. That last lunar eclipse was um, very volatile. And in the United States, it did, you know, has coincided with a lot of um, mass shootings. Um, I know one thing we talked about, one thing we didn't talk about so much, I don't believe was what was happening in Ukraine the last time we talked. And so that was something that's been a big development Mm -hmm. with that war. Um, And that's something we can talk about. I mean, there's already that war going on and there's a lot of other potential wars and there's things, Mars is a really big player in the second half of the year. Yes. So we'll, we can definitely talk about that. I, I recall when we looked at the Aries ingress chart, saying something just being worried about how the Aries ingress chart looked with regard to um Roe versus Wade and the Supreme Court possibly overturning it. Um because I believe last time we had talked there I, I can't remember now what, what what had happened exactly, but there was some sort of decision or statements that were being made that back in December that were sort of signaling there was more of a change maybe on the horizon. And and then when you looked at the Aries ingress chart, there was, Oh, you have right there. Yeah. So Venus was moving from Mars, uh, Mars being with Mars squaring Uranus towards Saturn, you know, in the ninth house. 
And that was something that was definitely a surprise, uh, very unprecedented that, you know, in right as these eclipses come in, somebody leaks the potential Supreme Court statement, which has not really happened before. Yeah. So, um, which is very Mercury, Jupiter, and Pisces to me. There's just the idea of something leaking yeah. um, of, mm-hmm. from the justice system. And, right. Yeah. And also, yeah, interesting in a way too, even, yeah, because on one hand, that's obviously very upsetting for lots of people. It also, um, just, yeah, just like sort of like the weird heads up about it. This is potentially that something that could happen. And not knowing if there's really anything that can be done to turn around what that decision is going to be, but it's just really strange that that would revelation would kind of come in like that, um, which is sort of giving them people this extra time to prepare for it and then yeah. prepare for all the elections coming later in the year, which are going to also be lined up with the next set of eclipses. So it really does connect them. Um, and then there's, all, you know, lots of people have talked about all the different supply chain issues going on, um, the big inflation going on, it, the way these yeah. wars are going to just keep disrupting. Yeah, there's just lots of, and th- these are all things that were, you know, we kind of thought would most likely, those are some of the things that we thought were more likely to happen relative to the eclipses and the nodes in Taurus, Scorpio. But for example, like the Ukraine war has created a whole bunch of things, um, a bunch of issues just really accelerating that and amplifying that, that we, we didn't know was going to happen when we talked last time. Yeah. So making it even much worse. It, well, and it's interesting to think about some of the things that we're talking about here, like women's, uh, you know, reproductive rights, uh, the, you know, the gun violence that has been escalated among children, the supply chains that have to do, you know, like one of our biggest supply chain hiccups right now is baby formula. And uh, looking at that 29 degree Libra moon at the, you know, in the fifth house of the U.S. chart coming off of the square with Pluto. Um, and Venus just, you know, ruling that moon and being in this like hard place of Mars and Saturn. And it's just interesting to see these, you, you know, these mundane topics come up of, of reproduction and children and um, the nourishment, uh, you know, and uh, care. Are we, you know, lack of care, uh, needing more care, you know, the, the, uh, it's just interesting how this all plays out because we can speculate as much as we want. but. Um, when these news stories start to roll in and we see how it's impacting everyday life, it just, the planets really come to life. Um, yeah. And the moon at 29 Libra is interesting relative to the Venus, because as we'll talk about later, there's going to be a superior conjunction of Venus, which is when she's yes. moving direct with the sun. And that's going to be right at 29. Right on that. Degree. Libra, And that'll be happening kind of going into the elections. Um, and that's that's something we'll talk about. There is there is going to be this period in the second half of the year where, where Mars is really active doing a bunch of stuff, and Venus is going to go through her really long underworld journey and descent. And um, but it gets reanimated like right there, leading into those elections, which will have a big impact um, about who gets in the government and making different decisions around these issues. Although you know, unfortunately, there's nothing much that can be done about the Supreme court in that way. Hmm. 
accept that all these elections lead to, you know, are part of the judicial process of who gets selected, but yeah, well, it yeah. makes me think of the slow game, that like really slow game of how that uh, just, you know, the Supreme Court is influenced, just politics in general. But, you know, having Saturn having a stronghold in the ninth house and just being in domicile and, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's a contained unit, um, at least at this point in time. I think yeah. there's really it's it's really hard to get around that. Uh, no, also, can try. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, also interesting, interestingly with the Supreme Court too, with the Jupiter-Neptune coming in, um, and maybe, and this would be more of the Venus-Uranus, the, you know, the first African-American woman um, was also selected. So, and that's something I feel like has been going on this year, and that's something that will continue going on where, where we can see there's there's actually some really interesting, innovative breakthroughs happening at the same time, there's really disruptive things happening and, you know, totalitarian like or just like real people in power making major power grabs and taking more power. And um, the United States, you know, yeah, I mean, women losing this like fundamental right. And, and um, so it's a real mixture of things and just shows like how much things are changing right now. And that, and that's just going to keep happening the rest of the year and perhaps even, even more because there's, there's some of the most volatile disruptive things are still on the horizon. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's not just women here in the, in the States, it's, it's everywhere. I'm seeing like these, uh, oppression issues and uh, even the reproduction issues and, you know, the, the abortion, uh, topic coming up in many, many places around the world, you know, with Af- Afghanistan women losing more freedoms and I, you know, Central and South American women. I was reading more about um, stricter, you know, like birth container type of laws and abortion laws, uh, you know, like people getting life in prison for, you know, these, for terminating pregnancies that, were um that were or pregnancies being terminated that weren't even their fault like they like there's women being incarcerated um that have weren't able to bring a baby full term with their body and the and the baby didn't live and that's considered you know uh something to be uh persecuted or prosecuted and it's it's just crazy it's like um yeah it's us women you know <laughs> But hopefully, hopefully, hopefully there'll be some sort of justice within the hardship. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It doesn't look pretty. No, I mean, and that's when we, and that's the kind of thing that's probably, I mean, really going to be playing out the rest of this decade. And it's, it's as far as, you know, this, this thing about what governments and people in power are doing versus people taking their power back. And that's, up to people to take their power back, but obviously in some cases um, that's really difficult to do. And people are in a place of, of um, not having power, but, or feeling powerless, but there's also a lot of the same stuff that's happening. I mean, all this breakup kind of energy transit wise, if you want to call it energy, what are you going to call it? But, you know, it creates opportunities for new things to come in. 
And that's going to keep playing out, you know, in this decade we're going as this decade plays out and things shift into like, you know, Pluto and Aquarius, um, you're trining Uranus and Gemini, both of them sextile Neptune and Aries, um, with a Saturn Neptune cycle ending and beginning basically in Aries and basically, yeah. So there, which is actually like pretty harmonious, harmonious activation there in a, in a lot of ways. And we can project to the people on governments in power, you know, really wanting to lock things down and impose things more. Um, and versus, and I guess I'm not, I guess I'm the terminology there. I don't mean locking down in terms of like the pandemic, although that's possible. I mean, more just like grip on power yeah. or like taking away women's rights for, for an abortion, that kind of thing. But then the same kind these same things are going to keep playing out and get ex- getting accelerated in the next, over the course of this decade um, are there f- for people to really, I mean, there's a lot of potential with those same aspects for people to really dramatically change things and really taking their, their power back and not participating in the oppressive s- systems as much as possible. So yeah, um, that's what, right. that's, what's kind of really interesting about it. And, and this, this year is sort of like a microcosm of that. I feel like in some ways is, and it's sort of like we're in the middle of this real, this major change, this major change is taking it. It's hard when we're in the middle of it, it's, it's, it can be really, feeling really overwhelming and exhausting, but yeah, things are just going to keep going <laughs> the rest of this decade when you look at it. Yeah. Well, I like that you point that out though, because this is the the trajectory and it's, it's, it's good to have like a larger picture view of where energy is heading when you're in that rock in the hard place. Right. You know, like, I don't think this is the interesting thing, especially if we like focus on, you know, the, the abortion issue, um, or even gun control and things like this, because these are old Mm -hmm. issues that just keep coming back up and coming back up and we don't make any progress on them. And they're like these really bloated issues that are at their last, you know, bit of justice in my mind. If I think about that, like Aries ingress moon at the end of, end of Libra. And what I think about Saturn and Saturn being just so strong and being the, you know, the, the say for the moon, Venus, Mars, you know, all, all those planets, Pluto, you know, all those planets at the end, in my mind, Saturn is, even though it has that limitating force and that, you know, structural force, it is aligned to me with cause and effect in mm-hmm. karma um, and having to do hard things and consistently show up. Um, and, and even in, like in this case, like I think about, you know, Venus being wedged in and having to fight and go against her nature. Um, but you have to do this in order, you know, for, to make a presence, to, to bloat the issue even more so that it cannot go back under, like it's at a point, it's like at a crisis point. I mean, that's the whole idea with, you know, a final degree there, but I do really believe that Saturn does have this karmic cause and effect thing, um, that does have justice in mind. I mean, Venus and, and Saturn are both, you know, have rulership in Libra and this sense of fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that's my just optimism speaking. It doesn't mean it's an easy road and it, and it's like, this is a long, <laughs> this could be a long game, but it could also be a very much a turning point 
Um, yeah. And, and like the moon being I mean, very, very end of Libra. I mean, this is like a hor- this is like a horror interpretation to be looking at what well, that means about the change. You know, it's a, it's a change in circumstances about to happen, which is the moon going into her fall of Scorpio where the South node is. And so it sort of even suggests like the American people, but actually it would be people everywhere. Cause they always use these charts for, um, I mean, it means basically they're anywhere in the world, just different house. I mean, yeah. about to go, th- you know, go into this fall and kind of go down through this, um, sort of underworld type of passage, but with that moon and Scorpio and the South node there, I mean, there, there is a lot of release and there's, grief but there's yeah like a shifting that that's taking place i think there's just a sense of how to um keep your bearings and um you know steer things as much as you can and um help out and support with others for just continuing to you know deconstruct stuff and change stuff and 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 not you know believe in the, the ability the capacity you do have even if it's just within your somewhat seemingly limited personal sphere to, to make, to make changes in, in good ways and, and contribute to things going in a better direction. Um, with the gun laws, I was looking that um, I was seeing some people post on this on social media too, that the last that last really major um mass shooting at a school that got a lot of attention sandy hook mm-hmm. was basically end of 2012 and the nodes were basically in almost the same place they are in this aries ingress chart just switched mm. so the south nose in scorpio no i mean the south nose in taurus and the north nose in scorpio and so it's pretty interesting that since then, you know, nothing's basically changed. Yeah. And when the people, people have been doing like mass shooting statistics, um, I wrote this down somewhere, um, but defining it as like four degree, if there's like a four degree, um, four degree, if a mass shooting is defined as four individuals being killed, four more people being killed, um, that I was seeing a statistic that in 2019 there was 417 mass shootings and 2020 went up to six. This is in the United States. Six, yeah. uh, 2020 went up to 611. 2021 had 693. And it's well over 200 right now. Like I was just seeing on the news, like even since that one in Uvalde over the Memorial Day weekend, which we're talking at the end of, I think there were almost like 10 to 12 more mass shootings took place just over those like three days. Um, and so in the United States of America, we're, we're, we're additionally having a factor of the Pluto return. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, so it, it's really bringing up all this, yeah, all this toxic aspects of the, of the United States, whether that's um, yeah, mass shootings, the violence, the easy access to guns and and violence to um I just want I guess it's only way I can whether it's religious dogmatism or just um misogyny taking away, you know, women's right to vote, right to an abortion, right to choose their own um making their own medical choices, but then even with the right to vote, 
I made that slip up, but that's another thing that's been going on for a really long time with gerrymandering to making different voting laws. And that's also really increased in recent time period this, this year that there's been another, another wave of that kind of thing going on. So there's, there's also like a attempt to suppress the vote at the same time, you know, suppressing uh, women's rights medical with medical choices related to abortion. So well and I think there's going also, on, yeah. There's also a spotlight on suppressing rights versus for uh through the lobbyists too, mm-hmm. which is another form of suppression through or suppression, mm-hmm. <laughs> oppression through uh what whatever, through money. And I think that's the thing that's interesting about this Pluto return, which we have another one coming up here when we get into the area that, you know, in summer. Um and it happening in the second house of the U S chart. And, um, you know, we're thinking about, we're thinking about these values, these morals, these, uh, these, uh, exchanges of, of money, um, and value and worth, et cetera. Um, and I think a lot of these things are coming up with, within that, um, these stories that we're talking about. And I do find it interesting because, planets, you know, they loved, they love the foreshadow. It's, 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 it's very intriguing to watch major planetary shifts happen and just how it affects the populace and why, I, I guess I can say these seemingly faded events that we don't want to happen, right? Like sometimes they're very horrible, but there's this whole thing. There's a chain reaction that comes from whatever, you know, happens. And it was very interesting to watch, especially with the um, Uvalde uh, uh, massacre, that happening when the moon was basically the the shooter had communicated that they were going to do this to another person when the moon was on Neptune um, in Pisces and carried out the act right up until the moon conjunct Mars, uh, and the moon and Mars basically moved into Aries, uh, simultaneously on that Tuesday on May 24th. Um, and the moon was headed towards Jupiter, right? And the outrage, the, you know, people like I'm watching basketball coaches, you know, get online and just spew how outraged they are about what needs to change and how we can't do this. And so it's interesting to have this like dissolving Pisces last, you know, 29 degree act that carries us into this very fiery burst when an Aries wants change. Aries is an initiator. Aries is an instigator. And so part of me was like, can this actually go somewhere? Can this go somewhere this time? Because there is just that powerful world point that's being activated and people becoming outraged. And this is just, once again, a hope (laughs) that something can change, but I found the timing very interesting. And then the response after and what maybe- Well, something that even makes me think of, this is, I haven't thought about this as much, but as Jupiter goes a little bit more into Aries- there's actually going to be a contra Antitia. Well, I guess it's already basically, it's already going to be happening by the time we get to the summer solstice chart, the cancer solstice chart cancer solstice. that Jupiter will be once Jupiter's around five Aries, it's basically contra Antitia Neptune at 25 Pisces. So then that Jupiter Neptune energy that came in, that was definitely part of like the, the flux and the formlessness. And I know a lot of people, correlated with inflation 
Um, but personally, I'm a, a little bit annoyed at people acting like, oh, it's so terrible. I've, I've heard people complain about Jupiter and Neptune and just like illusions or when to me, it's like everybody was already in, most people were already in a, a massive illusion long before Jupiter and Neptune came together in Pisces. And I actually feel like that, and that actually brings in a lot of vision. There's actually, to me, more of a revelation of the truth. If you feel like you're in an illusion, it's actually a sign that you're waking up from being in one. You, you didn't know you were already in an illusion and you're upset about it, but actually you're getting woken up to what's actually going on. Um, People have been trying to change Roe versus Wade for a long time, since you know, the, especially since the 80s, the religious right has been really focalized in playing the long game on that for a very long time. It's been very obvious they've been doing it. Um, it's not really a surprise in that way. Um, but um, with, yeah, with Jupiter and Aries, I just want to say like, moving into Aries, but then the Jupiter Neptune getting focalized on the um, Aries point. Um, that is kind of a world changing type of aspect. And, and the, the positive thing to me about Jupiter Neptune, which is going to come back, what we'll talk about again, Jupiter Neptune will be back in Pisces again later in this year, and they'll be activated or agitated by Mars retrograde and Gemini. Um, is that, the type of um, sweep of inspiration and vision that can come with a Jupiter-Neptune aspect like that and this sort of new cycle coming in is the type of thing that can actually, you know, band people together and give them this, this sense of a higher purpose to overcome. That's what, that's, is the type of, of quality that is, that's actually absolutely necessary. Nothing, systemic oppressions and power structures are never toppled or overcome without that. And so there is something interesting about them coming into contrantitia, I think, which basically means the midpoint of them is zero Aries. Um, That could, yeah, it could be pretty accurate, pretty, that's that's just interesting to me. speaking with what you're just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a great point to bring up. Um, and just thinking about Jupiter's moves within that, like its connection to Neptune to begin with, and then being in that, you know, that, that state that you're describing. And then that those states being um, transitioned through Jupiter going over that hot, you know, zero degrees Aries world point three times. And, you know, I went back and looked at, you know, Jupiter and Aries, at at least through the seventies. I mean, of course (laughs) it happens every 12 years or so, so we Mm -hmm. can't go back too far, but, um, there, I don't know when the last time Jupiter actually did a three point dance over that degree in particular. Mm. Um, so there is something to be said about the, once again, yeah, Jupiter, this just, Jupiter just on that degree is another just, big activation. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we got three points of that happening and then having that Neptune component within it, having a, this, this Martian component, as you know, as we speak, activate that, that chain. And, and, and we clearly saw big things happening as that, as Mars lit up that point, you know, being the ruler of Aries and all, and, and, in in strengthening Jupiter just that much more once uh, Mars moved in. And that's something to think about too, within, you know, these Jupiter rule signs of, of Pisces and Jupiter being in Aries and what Mars doing. And we know Mars is going to be doing some things. We're going to talk about it here. Mars is doing something basically the whole rest of the year. Mars is, 
got some interesting astrology that we can break down. But um, I, the only thing I want to say before we kind of move forward and just to speak to something that you were talking about before with the Aries ingress chart and thinking about that, that, you know, we're looking at it like a, from a horary angle and the moon moving into Scorpio and that being, you know, from that 29 degrees of Libra and, and being the people and, you know, and we've talked about this before with debilitated planets of their, you know, like trying to change the name of them. You know, I like the, I like the idea of like, just that, that fall position and just not upholding things. And like, people want change. And it's like, it's almost like I, I, you could go to the darker side of where that moon is going with Scorpio. Absolutely. And I, that's probably very present there, but I also have hope that, um, that, people really want change. They really want to transform things. They're willing to do the hard stuff to have to deal with the grief, have to go through losses that come with it, um, in order to move into, you know, transform into a different reality slowly, but surely it's a fixed sign of course. And you don't, you can't, you know, you can't take it with you as, (laughs) as they say, and that kind of death terminology, you can't take it with you. Um, but it's hope that like everybody wants change and people will be willing to change. And maybe people that have not changed in so long and are maybe part of like the difficulty will begin to change, you know, like, uh, because we need those kind of people to shift too, so that we can, obviously we can't stay here, I guess is what I'm saying. We can't stay here. Everything is blowing up in a way because mm-hmm. things are really about to change. So, and it could be a long change, like you said, like the whole decade through, but yeah. there's, there's no going back. Yeah, it definitely will be. Yeah. And, and I think we should talk about the, the moon in this chart, but just sort of what you were just talking about, something about this chart I wanted to mention. Um, and we're I on to the of, cancer chart now, right? Yeah. Well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. You may not be listening on watching on video. It, yeah. yeah you so, may not be yeah. watching it. So just so you know, we're looking at the cancer, uh, the solstice on cancer June solstice, 21st, yeah. uh, obviously 2022, which is going to happen at 5 13 AM, uh, in Washington. So that's the chart we have up right now. Yeah. And it's a, well, in the United States, it's a Gemini rising chart with Saturn pretty close to the mid heaven, but falling off the midheaven by like three degrees um but with saturn retrograde you know there's something yeah there's something very saturnine about this chart in the united states because saturn's still within about three to four degrees of the midheaven so even though it's falling off the angle slightly it's still really kind of right there on the midheaven and venus is in Taurus and she is separating by three degrees from Saturn. And so I think there's some, there's something interesting about this chart speak kind of relative to everything we're just talking about. Just, is there something about this kind of speaks to me about like this really difficult journey Venus has been on um, this year. And she's sort of just like, she's separating from it. She's, she's kind of emerging from it. She's about seven degrees past the North node of, of, um, and at the same time in this chart, Uranus and the North node are also coming together really closely, but Venus is separating away from them. Having already passed through a conjunction with Uranus, having passed through a conjunction with the North node, which is sort of the, the eclipse area She's actually just like a couple of degrees past the 
degree of the lunar eclipse. She's like, like I said, three degrees past a square from Saturn. He's going the other way, retrograde. Um, and then she's also barely by just a few minutes separating mm-hmm. from a trine with Pluto, which also sort of seems like it references her entire like long, yes. you know, for some people kind of journey through hell and hellish underworld, but everybody went through some type of deep underworld process with that Venus retrograde with Pluto that I know of at least. Um, so yeah, she's, and she's, she's coming out of that and she's at the final degrees of Taurus. Um, but the, yeah, there's just something about that that just to me really speaks to that. And then, you know, getting close to going to Gemini, which will be what we'll talk about um, in, in the beginning of the second half of the year, it becomes a much more, there's a, there's a, this very kind of burst of activity and a lot more things picking up and all these changes taking shape or difficulties, you know, it's a kind of time to go and take more action kind of thing. Um, but also in this chart, then the moon is in Aries applying very closely to Jupiter, um, about three degrees. So that's interesting too. Um, and definitely with Mars also in Aries coming into square Pluto in Capricorn. So that, I, I think that on one hand, you could definitely say that really speaks to all the, the conflict going on all around the world, whether it's warfare, just political battles and um, people kind of picking side, which side are you on kind of quality is, is, is very much the kind of thing going. It seems like it's the, one of the big things going on Like people are kind of taking sides and there's all these battles on like all sorts of different levels taking shape. Well, yeah, definitely. With all that Aries energy that's there, there is going to be, you know, some battles, some conflict, some assertion, you know, like there, there's more of a riled up energy here. And we got to keep in mind, you know, this is the cancer solstice. So obviously the moon is very important there because the sun Mm -hmm. is wondering what the moon's doing. And it's in a last quarter phase, which is interesting when we think about pushing through something um, and maybe, you know, being at a crossroads uh, of change. Um, And it's also interesting to think about in just in regards to what I was talking about earlier about the activations that had happened in important world events as, uh, as Jupiter crossed um, Aries and then also Mars. And so here, this moon uh, ruling, you know, the cancer sun there is on the exact degree of a, the Mars Jupiter conjunction. Um, that happened. So that is a, a potent point of just Mars and Jupiter's story to begin mm-hmm. with that we're experiencing right now. But it, it's moving to, you know, apply to uh, Jupiter there. And so I feel like the, the people are, you know, the people are feeling this Jupiter in Aries. And I think it's going to be mm-hmm. very outspoken in that sense, especially with the moon, um, also sextile uh, Mercury there and it being a Gemini ascendant. So I think that once again, the P there's a lot Gemini ascendant, at least here in the U S you know, this is of course the Washington chart. Um, but there'll be a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of talk, a lot of like just Gemini Aries energy, uh, coming out there, I think. And so we're going to, yeah, that's going to be lively in that sense. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, it really matters if you do whole sign or a quadrant system and a 
pole sign that pulls that Mercury and Gemini to the first house with being the people ruling the chart, but in a quadrant system, it would go 12th house with that, that Gemini Mercury um, as being an additional, you know, aspect of the people, um, which certainly shows some more kind of travails in a way, but also I, I like to think about the 12th house being like, you know, it's the sign that's rising right before birth and there's even like those perinatal matrices of graphs like that um, people will connect to the 12th house and actually Demetra George in her, even in her book, that's drawing a more ancient astrology um, connected it to that. And so that's, there's very much just like birth before birth kind of process at work here. And I think I really like that you brought the last quarter moon because that really to me shows the, um, potential for deconstructing, you know, deconditioning, looking at what you want to change, looking at what's going on in a culture that just doesn't work and not participating in in creating culture and creating new cultural values and, um, you know, pulling back from what you don't want to be part of. And there's a real inspirational force of Jupiter, a lot of fire and passion there to, um, to do, to, to work work with in that way. Yeah. It's a, it, there's conviction, you know, there's definitely <laughs> a place of conviction. And if you wanted to make changes, you know, for, for and, and we, I, you know, yes, change always starts with yourself. It's like, <laughs> I say that all the time. It's like, you want something to change. What do you got control over? You have control over yourself. So it's a good place. It's a good place to start. Um, especially when we do have to kind of, you know, I think about, all this, you know, that cancer and that Aries energy together and these being, uh, you know, movable signs and pivot signs, and they're just a pivoting nature. It's like, you kind of, there's a, there's an about face sort of energy that comes with, um, these signs. And so, you know, you, you pivot, like that's what my partner always says to me with something, you know, something doesn't go planned or something doesn't go how I want it. You got, you got to pivot just got to pivot, you know? And so I feel like it's at a point where we just got to pivot. You got to work with what you got Mm -hmm. and, and in change in that, in that sense, um, for whatever that looks like in your life or dealing with the world in general. Yeah. And Mercury's phase, even just ruling it here. I mean, this is like right after the, well, not long after maybe it was a week before. So, but Mercury's like already hit the max elongation of the morning star. So it's really picking up speed here in Gemini. So there's also some real, there is some real speed of thought and Mercury stuff. Um, but the other thing I was related to what you're just talking about, but um, Mars being such a big theme for the second half of the year, it's, it's pretty interesting that Mars is like so strong in Aries. Um, I think maybe even, is it even in its own bounds on top I of being in Aries or just about to be in its, its own so bounds? so close. It's, um... I forget what the actual bound boundary marker is with its um, bounds there it is it is it, it just it ba- like it, i'm looking at another sheet right now but yeah it just barely squeaked in there yeah so, so it's, it's in, in its own sign inbounds yeah and um separating from chiron applying towards pluto so that again just shows this kind of power struggle power battles you know versus do you feel powerless or how do you take back your power or or how do you work with that and then the other big theme is Uranus and the fact that Uranus is getting, you know, about four degrees as it's like starting to come in um, 
getting closer and closer to that North node. And as we'll talk about, one of the big themes is, is Mars, you know, moving from that point in Aries where it's so strong, sweeping across Taurus, and then end of July, beginning of August, we get Mars, Uranus, North node all lined up. Um, yeah. And, and, then, the, and then the, the next factor is that goes into the Gemini and then eventually goes retrograde in Gemini. And then we have this long Mars retrograde in Gemini that comes in the second half of the year too. So it's interesting that Mars is like, is so strong in this chart. Yeah. Just like, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it, I mean, I guess it's nice that, or is it nice? I guess <laughs> I might retract that, but uh, it being in that sextile or forming a sextile to Saturn there too, where Mm-hmm. you know, we look at the Aries chart and them being close to that conjunction. So it's interesting to see both Ma- Venus and Mars having this relationship to Saturn. Um, one Venus is moving away from a con- more con- contentious space with the square aspect and, and Mars coming in to kind of work with that. Um, I think that speaks on Aries. Go ahead. Yeah, even with the last quarter moon with the moon in, in Aries, um, the deconditioning, deconstructing that I was talking about, the fact that Saturn's actually retrograde and just kind of falling off the midheaven to me almost on another level, you could interpret this uh, less of a mundane ingress chart and more just like, I don't know, I don't know collectively psychological or something, just um, Saturn's coming back. So we're kind of now falling back. It's not moving forward anymore. We're really thinking about where we've been what's been going on with the power structures and structures of our own lives and um, Mars being in Aries sextiling it. I mean, there's a way to like really take all that into effect with Jupiter in the same sign, really adding a big boost of, um, you know, fervor, enthusiastic fervor and inspiration, you know, and some, a sense of hope that you can maybe do something. Um, So there's a quality there. I think of that, that that's in this chart about, yeah, really, um, and taking a really realistic appraisal of things, a combination of a realistic appraisal with really expanding what's realistically possible and taking the steps to make that happen, actually. Like making yeah. an actual real change happen. That's actually real tangible, practical change. And, and it's interesting with this chart, too, um, just when we think about the the dignity of so many of these planets, you know, but, with Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, all being in their own signs. And so where before, you know, I, especially in 2020 and like 2021, a lot of times there'd just be a default to Saturn, right? You know, the, the planets have all chained back to this one particular influence. But here we have kind of these, you know, four separate strengths that are all compartmentalized in their own uh, positions. And so... I don't know. It adds variety, I think, to multiple uh, storylines and facets that are going on um, that have their own strength in, in, in our, in our personal lives and in the collective uh, rather than it kind of like pigeonholing all into one chunk, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. So, all right. Well, let us, let me go back here with my. Move into, move into the rest of Jean. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, I mean, maybe, okay. So when we think about the cancer solstice here, we are basically, at least here in the Northern hemisphere, we're going into the summer months uh, and we're looking at cancer, Leo and Virgo territory. Um, And I mean, some of the things that seem to be like, 
uh, to me, to the, if we were just a chunk, first chunk, kind of the three month or you know three zodiacal month period. Obviously, the Mars Uranus North Node thing that's coming and the Sat and Saturn uh, is huge in my mind. I think that's one of the biggest things of these summer months um, that's coming, and then also that Mars ingress into into Gemini eventually there. Uh, Gray, would you agree? Or do you see it like if we just kind of look at the big picture of the summer real quick, like kind of that energy that's uh, ahead of us? Yeah. So basically the end of June, July, August into September. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree that the real major thing is when Uranus and the transiting north node of the moon coming together, Mars then going into Taurus and forming a, we end up with a p- little passage of a triple conjunction of Mars, Uranus, and the north node. And then once Mars goes into Gemini, we start this very gradual build up towards the retrograde. Um, but yeah, the one that's the the one that's the major one to me is that Mars Uranus North Node. Yeah, in Taurus that, lineup. That's going to be on July thirty first. Uh, it's where it gets pretty uh lit up there starting well i mean of course these are slower movers so the end of july basically in the early part of august we're really going to feel this um this energy brew uh especially as the sun then continues um because the sun being in leo will obviously square that position um and then there's the, like you mentioned there's also the additional factor that they're squaring saturn pretty closely yes. and then in the leo part of the year Mercury first kind of flies through and activates it from the Leo side. So I remember at the beginning of the year, we talked about the one thing that's missing. We get, we have a lot of, you know, Aquarius, Saturn on Aquarius and nodes and that being set off all year. And and Leo is like the point that's sort of missing Mm -hmm. for most of the year. But this is this in the summer, in this, in the Northern hemisphere summer is when that Leo side gets set off. So we have moments of actually having this, um, we're going to call it a grand square fixed cross, um, whatever you want to call that cross square, you know, (laughs) all four sides, you know, something there. And in the fixed signs, this is, you know, moving the fixed, um, and fixed activations tend to be longer lasting, big types of changes that are taking shape here. These are, and interestingly, that's, when we spoke about, um, I guess that was off camera. Maybe we were talking about me just being at Norax. So I'll, maybe I'll introduce the fact that I'm talking to you after just returning Perks from Norwalk 2022 <laughs> yesterday. And one thing I did note from being just around a lot more astrologers, yeah, just the prevalence of major life-changing things happening coming out of those eclipses. And so we're already seeing that pattern that work with these big fixed sign activations, and that will just continue right here. So it could very well be some of the same changes that are already happening that, that maybe got accelerated more with the eclipses um, and then kind of the next stage of those changes coming in. And it could also still be in, in some cases, a new element or, you know, going in another direction, you know, you're not necessarily going to keep going in the same direction depending on your circumstances, but yeah. Or it might be just layers, you know, when I yeah, layers. About, like for a lot of people, fixed. I think it'd be like layers. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like a, a layers here and then a layer and then a layer and then mm-hmm. all the layers change you, but it's almost like this building upon, mm-hmm. um, 
and yeah. then maybe older layers start to fall away. I think about a plant that's growing and it's like, as, as the new leaves grow, you know, maybe the leaves that are at the bottom of the <laughs> bottom of the uh, plant, you know, start to wither and fall away. And so it's kind of like this layering and growing effect. Um, but I really think, cause uh, obviously that late July, early August with that Mars Uranus, North Node activation, which uh, is very, as I'll, as I'll use Gray's term, volatile <laughs> by nature. Um, I think I think a lot of it really kicks off around uh, July twentieth, when, or at least uh, you know nineteenth, twentieth. Well, it's probably twentieth because the moon's there. Um, when Mars reaches the solar eclipse point. Uh, right. Because that's always an activation for the, you know, the solar eclipse to begin with and just eclipse energy. And yeah. so there, there could be another layer that is put on there and it just really escalates as Mars gets ever closer to Uranus. So um, there's just really something that happens. Uh, and I mean, any like kind of, if you close your that's eyes a- and you visualize, what do you see Mars, Uranus, Taurus doing? Sort of what we we're kind of already talking about. So, I mean, a lot of these things about there could definitely be more escalation of, of warfare. Certainly the mass violence in the United States. Um, I, I know other countries don't have that as bad as the USA does. There certainly could be stuff like that. I mean, all the supply chain stuff getting another big hit, um, whether it's stock markets or inflation or I don't really track cryptocurrency too much, but I know that's been very volatile, as you said, and and falling. And (laughs) um, so that all continuing. But then there's also like really powerful new things that can happen. Um, Like in Olympia, where I live, um, I was I was asking uh, Jen Zar, who people know in the astro community, has been forming this, um, creating this library that's going to open in Olympia as as an astrological library that's actually going to be definitely unique in the United States of America, but even globally. And there's still an unknown timeline about when that might open, but I know I hopefully it's okay to mention on this. She's just as an example with this, she said, well, you know, maybe I'll draw, I'll pull, I'll, um, draw on that Mars, that Uranus North node alignment, you know? And I was just thinking, well, yeah, somebody should like, yeah. I mean, there can be something really innovative, really, that can really change the game. And, um, structurally and, and systems like that comes out of this too something very innovative i think last time we talked about the iphone was that one of the things we had that lined up with one of the past uranus north node i feel like it was i i maybe it sounds, sounds yeah. good. i know it i feel like it lined up with oh no i'm thinking of google which I is obviously problematic in, in 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 some in ways but, way. but, but 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 on another <laughs> level is in terms of being really innovative and, and putting power in people's hands and really changing the game for a lot of people. And people suddenly just with a phone or device they're carrying around, they might not own anything else and they can actually have a way of accessing a lot and actually having a platform for their voice. So there's um, that kind of quality can really come through here. And that's yeah. what, what I think to really be focusing on. There's going to be stuff out of your control and there's ways if you want to be stockpiling and saving things just to like survive whatever collective calamity could be coming our way later or at this time, but also, you know, not feeling like you, there's nothing you can do and what can you do 
in your personal sphere, your local community, and then the broader community that we have access to for those who are on the internet and, you know, creating community through that. Um, because there's actually a lot of innovative change in good ways that can come through with this. So there's a real, like, um, the way some, right now, like you could have a lot of really exciting, positive things happening in your life right now, personally. But then if you look around what's going on in the world, you can't really say that, but there's still actually within the, all the terrible news stories, there's really great things actually happening. And happening with, yeah. And, and the so it's a real mixture of, it's going to be things, yeah, falling apart, but then, you know, new things coming in too. So Well, okay. So Gray, I think that's a perfect example of just also reminding of the fact that A, uh, Mars and Taurus here is in its, its detriment. You know, there is, it has a Venusian backing. And also it's interesting that Venus will be in Cancer during this whole kind of transition that we're talking about of late July through mid August. So Venus is rolling through cancer, which adds a, you know, a cancerian layer underneath what's happening in, in Taurus. Um, and kind of kicking off at that same time when Venus herself is making a square to Jupiter in Aries, as this is kind of building. So there is, you know, I think of Jupiter as turning that wheel, that wheel of fortune, uh, in a sense. And so whenever something comes in contact with it, it seems like some sort of page turns. And of course, Mars and Uranus are going to have their own story that is, that is brewing and some surprising, you know, shocks around the corner and just changing, but there's there to go back to what you're saying. And I even think about, you know, Jen's arts library and such, there can be this birthing component, I think, because of Venus being in cancer, um, and, and backed by that, that pivot sign. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much earlier before this, we want to go back to talk about, but, um, Venus goes into cancer. It looks like, looks like Venus goes into, I was just looking, Venus goes into cancer, like July 17th, I believe. So that's a really good point that, um, the second half of the year, I mean, relative to this North node, Uranus thing, I mean, you know, before the solstice is when Venus will actually pass through Uranus and pass over the North node. So I guess we'll, by the time people listen to this, it probably will have already happened that part <laughs> of it, but then Venus will be in Gemini for a while and there'll be a much more, yeah, that end of June to the first couple of weeks of July just looks really active, especially the end of June going to the beginning of July when Mercury's also in Gemini. And we have, you know, Venus and Mercury in Gemini. We have um, Jupiter in Aries. And actually Mars will, Mars goes into Taurus and Mercury goes into Cancer on around July 4th, roughly. So up until that point, we just have lots of stuff in these very active, diurnal, um, outwardly expressive, fast-moving signs. And yeah. it just looks like the, the the second half of the year just really starts off with a lot of action, a lot of change, a lot of movement, um, and really moving on these changes taking shape and and um, things you're passionate about, things you want to create, things you want to develop, and, and really tr- making some movement on them, um, making new things happen. It's a time to really be kind of bold and you know brave and and initiate and get things going. Um, but then there will be a shift into like, 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 yeah, there'll be like, then there'll be a shift into this other quality of that in July. Well, and I, I think that's a great point, Gray, because 
the time period that you're speaking of in this kind of late June, uh, you know, activations where we got so much going on. And we were talking about that with, you know, the cancer ingress chart earlier and having all that Aries and having, uh, you know, Gemini present, especially once Venus gets in there um, and having a lot of outward shifting, you know, we've got air under the, under the flame. And of course, you know, that keeps the fire happening and things moving. Um, and then we have that, that new moon in cancer on June 28th, that is square Jupiter. So here we have this Jupiter influence coming in once again, to kind of lead and, and, and change and, and birth. Um, and like you're saying, being, you know, being bold and like taking, you know, moving things along, taking risks and start just getting things moving, you know, and, uh, to me, you see, you know, Venus is sextile Jupiter at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, so this is kind of like a big, like a boost, I think for that forward movement, I think it's going to be happening anyways, once we get that Gemini going and, you know, Mercury is just blazing along there, uh, and Mars still in Aries, but there is something about this new moon that is really kind of that first activation point, um, as yeah, far as the lunar cycles concerned. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Jupiter. Yeah, because I mean, new moon's also in the exaltation of Jupiter, exactly. so it's received by Jupiter. Jupiter's in a superior square to the new moon, and then at the same time, Neptune is stationing retrograde yes. at the same time. So there's there becomes in this big you know Neptunian wave of, of things too happening there, which to me is again another just good sign to just you know really wake up from whatever. Way you might any illusions you've been in, but at the same time, kind of opening up to like what is that dream or, or bigger vision? Uh, what's that bigger inspiration that you that's been building for you? And that, and that yeah, this is a, a lunar cycle here to really initiate um, nurturing that, developing that, taking action on that, whatever it is. Yeah, and so I think this is this is definitely a kickoff point. Um, I mean, anytime we have a, a new moon and a cardinal sign, we always get some sort of kickoff point, but just in relation to a lot of things that we were talking about here and just that, that like that boisterous Jupiter and Aries um, energy and, and have, still having Mars and Aries backing it. Um, there is something to be said about really a, a significant boost happening here. And really from that point, um, we go on to having Mars move into Taurus that starts to initiate everything that we were talking about later with like late July, uh, early mm. August. And so Mars is going to move in. Um, I think does it actually happen on, um, in now it does happen. almost, well, and I, I have to say some... ind independence day here in America is going to have a 29 degree <laughs> Aries Mars. I'm like, that's interesting. <laughs> it sounds exciting. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so coming off um, of Pluto. Yeah. And yeah. Well, okay. Um, I actually want to pull that idea back real quick, if that's okay, because this is the lead up to Mars in Taurus, right? Uh, July mm -hmm. 5th. But right before we get there, we have Mars making a square with Pluto. And the only yeah. reason I want to bring this up is because around July 1st, you know, uh, this Mars square Pluto. This is kind of a lead up because we're having our second um, Pluto return here yeah. in the U.S. on July 11th. So just to put in context context for our, our U.S. listeners or anybody that's interested in what's going on in the U.S., um, I think that there is something very dynamic that is happening 
in the early part of July around this activation with Pluto uh, and then going into that that second pass around. Yeah, I mean, there is something very dynamic and then it could though be dynamic in a way that's very tragic, unfortunately, with that kind of aspect, that's um, true. which makes me think of at that lunar eclipse, um, there is that racist mass shooting in Buffalo. Um, yeah. That really, we already knew that there's a lot of white supremacy tied to, um, yeah, these, these white supremacy and, and guns issues already happening in the United States, but that was just like, sort of like an exclamation, like, like making blatant. it even louder and making yeah, it more, more blatant and more obvious. Um, and that was a, that was definitely a Pluto U S Pluto return event followed by, you know, mass shooting at an elementary school, another, you know, U S you know, Pluto return event and you throw a row be weighed in there. And the fact that, you know, this is maybe the time period where maybe that Supreme court ruling comes out right here or right before this. Um, I think well, we what I heard before is like the end of June was maybe one of the predictions of when that was maybe going to be coming out, I think. So, mm. um, well, maybe that, maybe that's part of the Mars Pluto. Uh, we do see mm-hmm. Mercury over here in Gemini trining Saturn as well, which could, you know, maybe bring something. Yeah. There. But I think of, I think more of that. Be I think it's more of the new moon that we were just talking about because essentially that Cancer new moon near the you know, I mean, the U.S. is a Cancer and it's squaring mm-hmm. that Jupiter in, in Aries mm-hmm. uh, and ruling. You know, Jupiter just being representative of the justice system or courts, etc. Judges, um, yeah. And then Mars being obviously on its way to the Pluto component there. And really just to fast forward to um, the full moon that happens on July 13th, we have uh, a moon, full moon in Capricorn uh, moving to the conjunction with Pluto too. So I think there's something to be said about that whole first half of the cancer cycle that really has this, um, this obviously the U S Pluto return embedded in it, uh, but also Mars making interesting moves within it. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. The, the, the full moon lining up Pluto at the other side of this. Yeah. It's, it, there's definitely extreme plutonic things. So there'll be, yeah, just real depths of, of, um, so at the same time, there'll probably be these really difficult collective current events, um, occurring, um, as well as maybe some like hidden information coming out that we didn't know about, about well, different then we got problematic Venus, things. Venus squaring Neptune in this chart too. And so I think yeah. that might be a foreshadowing, especially for Mars coming. Later. Yes. Yeah. So all of that could definitely be happening. Um, but then at the same time, you know, on personal levels that, that Pluto activation could be in some cases, you know, very empowering in terms of, of really um, finding something within your depth to really um, kind of take on whatever it is that you're, you're having to deal with. And so um, yeah, especially, I mean, we all are going to have our own, uh, you know, Plutonian stories that are taking mm-hmm. place, especially with the Mars activation and this, you know, first half of the cancer cycle um, from June 28th through July 13th. 
Um, and so, I mean, look at those areas, look at those cardinal areas in your chart, you know, looking at cancer and Capricorn and Aries and start to piece together, um, what that movement might be, because there's definitely going to be tension. There's definitely going to be change. There's definitely going to be some sort of, uh, initiation that takes place that can be a little crunchy. Um, but I love how you bring up the empowerment that can come through it because I think that is a really uh, strong Plutonian characteristic that can sometimes be overlooked when we try to think of like all the things we don't want to deal with Pluto, but it does have, you know, obviously there are abuses of power out there in the world, but Pluto also serves in my mind to empower yourself to go through change or to make, you know, have that purification process happen in your life or to line with a, a stronger, um, uh, version of yourself and whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah, definitely. And then the uh, Mercury has been in cancer. So, um, back when, you know, earlier when Mars goes into Taurus, Mercury goes into cancer at that same, around that same time on July 4th, July 5th. And, um, this is a point when we get to the full moon where Mercury has, um, been in cancer, which on one level, We'll probably slow, you know, slow some of that mental activity down a bit from all the hyper Mercury and Gemini we've been going through and um, picking up more of an emotional sense of what's going on um, with the water, with Mercury being in a water sign. And so being a little bit more receptive and sensing and intuitive and that kind of thing. But yeah, right, as you're showing here around July 13th, Mercury's like going through its um, superior conjunction with the sun. So um, right yeah. around 16th. 16th. Okay. Yeah. And it's on July 16th. Um, so I guess it's right after the full moon. Which is Mercury, Mercury enters um, the heart of the sun. So the um, this is the end of the morning star phase of Mercury. Look and at uh... animation of, of um, the evening star phase. And it's basically opposite Pluto. So it's, yeah. Look at what happens to be also another Mercury at 24 degrees of oh, wow. is our is the U.S. Mercury. Um, that's wild. So yeah, that's a, a total activation of the Pluto return. Yeah. So the Pluto Pluto transiting Pluto is retrograde exactly where it is retrograde in the USA Declaration of Independence chart, and then. Mercury and the sun are forming a conjunction at the same degree that Mercury is retrograde in that declaration of independence chart. Like it's used as the ESA chart. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's there. This is going to be an important Kazemi for, for the U S for sure. And especially that Mercury being the ruler of the, uh, of the seventh house, um, which is obviously activated and all the time, all the time for us, you know, whether it is, uh, it's dealing with the, you know, people and, other you know, some sort of like other situation, enemy situation or fighting amongst ourselves or, you know, diversive energy. Um, but also the, the 10th house there of, um, at least by whole sign. So, uh, yeah, so definitely some probably difficult events happening, but then also at the same time, it does, since it's a reanimation rebirth of Mercury, there is something that I want to try to spin in some kind of hopeful way oh, signifying yes. even with whatever difficult things are happening. Like for example, maybe we're having the fallout of a row versus weight. Actually, if let's say it does actually get overturned for real, 
that would be this would be a situation of dealing with the aftermath of that in, in the United States, most likely when this is happening. Um, but this could also then be like, how does, how does, how do people get reorganized around this you know, to deal with whatever is going on? There's like this rebirth of Mercury. Uh, what, how do we, um, yeah. And people sharing their voice and figuring out how to adapt to whatever's going on. Well, and it's interesting to think about the trine to Neptune too, just adding to the Kazemi itself, um, just kind of having that that watery flow. And we were talking about Neptune in, um, earlier and it's, its place within the Jupiter Neptune, but also Mars square Neptune that's coming with Venus having just squared Neptune as well, having Neptune uh, station around the the um new moon of this chart uh, or new moon of uh cancer yeah. that we talked about too. and it's so, training neptune yeah yeah so there's a, there's a whole neptunian story i think that is uh behind this too when we have um that's that. a neptune opposition of the usa so yes that's that another thing too that's such well. yeah so it's uh it's a this is an interesting configuration and i i but i obviously know <laughs> that it's going to be so i mean just um, like i guess keyword yeah. of this would be like yeah like the mass delusion of the united states of america and the people of the united states of america just like delusions and being swept up in illusions and propaganda and all that kind of stuff could be one aspect of the Neptune stuff, but then also being the opposition, you know, how do we, how do we get this new sense of inspiration to create change and bring people together to take action, to make changes Yeah, with all this Pluto, like volcanic toxic, just stuff just kind of erupting. Well, yeah, we got this falling apart. Well, in the falling yeah. apart, it's like we have Plutonian falling apart. We have Neptune dissolving. You know, there is, there's there's a really there's a crumbly factor. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a lot of crumble uh, happening here, and I'm not talking about a cobbler. So <laughs> there's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, let me ask you, Gray, and because re- you were talking about uh, you know kind of that animation of uh, reanimation of Mercury within the Sun, um, and how do you see it different from our superior Kazemi versus? Uh, the inferior um, that we just had recently at zero degrees of uh, of Gemini. So how how in this mind, how in your mind is this this Mercury Kazemi uh, different just in nature? Yeah, Mercury. I personally don't care, but I mean, people argue about which one is the beginning of the cycle. To me, they're both death rebirth moments, and you can tell a story from either one of the Mercury Sun conjunctions. So the one we had recently in Gemini, there and. And then we're going now through, I, I don't remember what day that was. It was around May 20th, roughly, I know. It was around May 20th because of the beginning of Gemini, yeah. like zero Gemini. And so Mercury then comes out to be visible. We go through this whole morning star phase. So there's this, there's this whole development of ideas emerging out of that retrograde we just had. And then what I usually find is as we then, as Mercury disappears, it heads through the superior conjunction. We're now going through another liminal transfiguration of those ideas a lot. There might be something you're really developing or working on at this time. And um, the difference is Mercury is moving really fast. It's moving as far away from us as possible Mm -hmm. versus the inferior conjunction. It's as close to us as it ever gets. It's the, the retrograde Mercury sun is like the most intense kind of in your face, bringing up stuff, 
you know, stuff you might not want to look at. You're really forced to deal with things. Um, this one is just moving a lot more, a lot faster. So I often think about sort of like burning off, um, excess ideas to kind of get to more of the essence of whatever you're working on. Um, symbolically, you know, some people talk about, and I think it does make sense. I like to kind of use this analogy myself that the, you know, Mercury being so close to us during the retrograde can feel, even though they're both underworld Mercury's, that one can feel especially kind of underworld and tonic and like stuff really being dredged up where Mercury on the other side perhaps is a little more of a celestial Mercury, he's you know farther away from us, and so it's maybe there's a little bit of that quality that's um, less about these deep personal things, patterns getting pulled up, and um, perhaps it's more can be a little bit more um, about ideas and things you're working on or thought forms and that kind of thing. Or yeah, yeah. Take note. take note of what was going on on uh, May 21st and then come back at it July 16th and see, you know, the, the trajectory. Um, Cause I think this will be a, this will be an interesting one. I mean, always an interesting follow Mercury cycles, Mm -hmm. but, um, and especially just this one just feels, it's so watery with the, uh, (laughs) with the trying to Neptune and then the moon being in Pisces too. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of water happening happening here which you know water gets to what gets to the heart of the heart of emotions you know that it takes it takes the rationale out um so i feel like there's gonna it's going to be more in the heart and in in the soul and whatever it is that we're processing or perceiving or i loved what you said about um weeding through the idea uh, ideas at that point, mm-hmm. right. You know, cause we get yeah. far enough away from what that, in, that, that first inception of, you know, being so close uh, with the inferior. And then by the time you get there, it's like, Oh, well, how much of this do I really need? What's working for me? What's not, what can I do? dispose of what can I burn back up into the sun, you know, to like put it in the well yeah. of inspiration uh, for later. So uh, I often find that creative that I just happen to be at a point in that process at that point where like, um, in my life, for example, it might be something like doing and uh, developing an astrology talk and or class or whatever it is, or it could be any creative process of writing something or creating something. And you might just have, well, I guess everyone has a Mercury and a Jupiter sign like I do, but perhaps my piece more about that, but you might have like, you have too many things you can do. Like there's too many ideas. There's too much. What's going to actually fit in this space of what, you know, what's the real heart of what you want to be creating and yeah, burning off the excess. So like, yeah, that kind of essentializing of their creative process. Mm-hmm. I often just find is going on for me when this happens. Yeah, I really like that. And uh, I'm, I'm about to be mer- moving into a Mercury perfection year here. So by the time this happens, um, yeah. so I'm definitely going to be paying attention personally yeah. to what's going on there. So, all right. Well, this has really been um, much about cancer season there, but uh Obviously, you think of like Mercury moving really faster. Maybe you want to go into yeah. the Mercury going into Leo because that happens because Mercury is moving so fast here. Mm-hmm. It's just a few days later, around the 19th. It looks like, yeah, yeah, Mercury goes into Leo. So now we're gonna have a shift of like Mercury being in this watery, emotional sign. Um, which Cancer does like to initiate things being a cardinal sign, but it is a little bit more of a receptive, slower paced 
Mercury into this like faster fire sign um, of Leo. Well, and I think about like maybe even to take your kind of like underworld journey um, of like Mercury moving from the moon sign to the sun sign, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like the lunar the lunar headspace to the solar headspace, which is always an interesting, you know, um, switch just in, in general, just being the luminaries and then being the polar opposites of that. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that, that can be an interesting, um, way of looking at it, but it's important with Mercury moving ultra fast, like you said, and going into Leo, because as we stated earlier, Leo is kind of the, you know, the missing component (laughs) of the, of the, uh, fixed cross, um, that is being activated in 2022, uh, well in 2021, but mainly in 2022. So here we have Mercury and Mercury is ahead of the sun at this point. And I always find it, you know, Mercury, when, when the the mind goes before the like conscious awareness, I I feel like this is an interesting part of Mercury's cycle because it's like information uh, or something is developed or thought or spoken before it has a chance to be like fully integrated. Um, That's always the way I look at it. It's almost like you have to catch up to what is introduced there. Like things come at you faster before you fully understand it. Um, cause the sun's, you know, now following Mercury's steps instead. So having Mercury move in on July 19th and, and we just talked about this. Okay. So Mercury moves in July 19th, zero degrees, uh, Leo. And this is the same day, essentially that Mars lights up the eclipse degree. So yeah. here, here we are. <laughs> it was like, here we are. I mean, we've already been, we've already talked about, like, there's a lot happening in, in the uh, cancer season there, but um, this is something, this is definitely something um, from this point on. And so here we have Mercury lighting it up. We already talked about Mars moving ever closer to uh, Uranus. And obviously the moon's moving. The other thing that's interesting is that there's an interesting shift from Neptune to Jupiter between uh, Mercury and Venus. So right before that, I was just thinking about how Mercury's going from trining Neptune and Pisces and Cancer to as soon as Mercury goes into Leo, it's going to start training Jupiter. And a couple mm-hmm. of days before Mercury goes into Cancer, Venus goes, I'm sorry, Mercury goes into Leo, Venus goes into Cancer. So Venus moves from being squared to Neptune to being square to Jupiter. to Jupiter. So when you think about there's sort of this larger Jupiter Neptune story that even though they're separated pretty good at this point, they're going to come back together. So they're not really that they don't, I, I consider this still being part of the Jupiter Neptune conjunction time period, like this whole year, even though they're not in the same sign at this point, they're still, I mean, they're within like 13, 14 degrees. I mean, it's, you got to give it a 15 degree or, but they're within 15 degrees. And, um, yeah, so the, the Jupiter side gets really activated, um, which just makes me think more about more along kind of that, the bigger picture of these Jupiter Neptune ideals or dreams you're trying to build that side of it getting activated. Um, you're right that Mars crossing at eclipse degree could be a big personal event that happens related to the eclipse on April 30th or, collective events that really trigger something big coming out of that. But, um, and then like you're saying now here comes 
uh, Mercury into the middle of Leo around the 23rd or so, right when the sun goes into Leo. So now Mercury is coming into, you know, square Mars and, and um, it's going to yeah. then set this off. So I guess one thing um, it makes me think of with the Leo side being empty and this coming in here is, um, I don't know, Leo is being associated with the sun. I think there's a, there's an aspect of sovereignty, um, creative potential with Leo um, being able to be dynamically creative, but also, you know, something enduring and lasting um, the sense of, you know, what are you loyal to with Leo and, um, I feel like what light, like what makes you feel alive because mm -hmm. there, you know, that's a very Leo component. Like what, like just keep, you know, we think about that fixed fire and it's like, what do you hold within you that just always burns? And mm -hmm. so, it feels like there's an activation for that too, because a lot of times if you're, I, I feel like if you're going to change your life, if you're going to change something that is really deep within you. And where that's kind of what we're talking about with the, you know, Mars, Uranus and Taurus mm -hmm. and these layers that are being built. A lot of times having the, you know, the gumption and, and the risk that's taken to like upend something and, and start fresh. Uh, it's you, I like to, th I'd like to think, um, as long as it's not from a dire, you know, consideration that it's a lot of times it has to do with passion, has to do what you really want. It has to do with mm -hmm. what lights you, you up and mm -hmm. makes you feel alive and vital. Mm -hmm. And so this could be part of that activation, especially here on July 26, which happens to be my mom's birthday. So this is going to be interesting now I'm thinking <laughs> put that one in my pocket for later yeah. um you know we got uh, mercury squaring mars here and lighting lighting that whole thing up just uh you know kind of hours before we have well maybe not hours maybe a couple of days before we have a new moon in leo that is you know trying jupiter now um obviously mars and uh uranus and the north node are all clustered together and so here we have this next cycle um that still has a jupiterian component to it it's one that's more flowing and moving maybe even faster yeah. the changes that are are going to happen um and maybe that mercury component that happens in you know the dark uh the dark balsamic you know, last quarter balsamic phase of uh, the previous <clears throat> cycle really starts to kick off what is really going to move forward and progress uh, and change um, once that Leo new moon cycle begins on the 28th of July. Yeah, that's a great point that I, I hadn't thought of that before, but that both of the lunation, so that the, the first two lunation new moons of the second half of the year are Jupiterian. The first one is squaring Jupiter. This Leo one is trining Jupiter, and Jupiter is actually stationing retrograde around this time, at the yeah. same time. So Jupiter is stationing. So that's a point where it's called Faustus. It's sort of like the divine presence of Jupiter is is like speaking there's something jupiter's really speaking and has to say oh. it's not going further into aries it's going to start peeling back and the new moon is exactly pretty very closely trining it um, it's the same day that's <clears throat> that's fascinating I and mean, it's interesting yeah. the moon is like trying the the yeah the trine after it go it doesn't make it doesn't complete the trine until it actually stations and, and even more fascinatingly as you can look at this this is right at the same time that 
Mars, Uranus, and North Node are about to all come together. Yeah. And Mercury just happens to be in there, like basically catalyzing it, you know, volatilize, you could say volatilizing it. But I, I think Mercury here, so Mercury being in Leo, you know, it picks up what's it, what is an aspect to you. It's moving really fast. So Mercury is picking up this whole thing where it's kind of flying through, setting off the Mars, Uranus, North Node, South Node, and then opposing Saturn. So we even we get this major activation of the Saturn Uranus dynamic by both the new moon and Mercury. It's like a new moon because the moon's going to also kind of fly across and set all that off. And then Mercury is too. So it's like a new moon and a new Mercury phase that both come in, setting the whole thing off. You know, at the same time, they're coming together, the, the Mars Uranus North node. So yeah, there's really pivotal events coming in here at the end of July. It makes me think about just like really important decisions being made. Um, and there's a sense of, um, at the same time, this like hope and inspiration of Jupiter. I mean, it's, it's really interesting that it, was, it looks so, you know, taut and tense and things really on the line, but then there's like this trying from that new moon to Jupiter that almost like that's just like supplying this underlying. Yeah. It's, it's just really nice that that's there. Cause it, it gives a sense that there being something hopeful about it at the same time. And then, then also that Venus is in cancer. You know, we haven't talked about this, but she's in this meantime, she's kind of moved from squaring Jupiter into, you know, she's heading into a sextiling all the Taurus stuff and Venus is ruling that. And that's the point you were making earlier that we then have Venus in this very watery, nurturing receptive sign um and so it, it makes me think like this could be a lot worse in a way because like at least venus ruling all the taurus is actually sextiling it so it, it, exactly. it looks like something people you can really kind of work with in a way to kind of nurture and focus on what you love and what you're passionate about and what you want to really create with your life yeah and, and it was interesting just thinking about the uh, the new moon in relationship to Jupiter stationing, and and then the tarot came in mind, and I was like, okay, well, if I, you know, I'm looking at the the Deccan correspondences with the tarot, it's like, what do we have here? And we got Jupiter in, you know, the uh, two of wands, and kind of that like looking out, that decisive, like, what am I, what am I do? What's what are these goals? Um, are, are these goals running up against someone else's? Because a lot of times two, <laughs> the two of wands is like, I want to go this way and I want to go that way. And it's like, well, how do we, how do we meet in the middle there? And then mm -hmm. the, the new moon is in that kind of that five of wands energy, which is, which is strife. It's stress. It's uh, once again, a turning point. Uh, and there can be a uh, tension that's around that. But then Mercury being in the six, where it's like, oh, well, I just want, you know, I just want the victory. I just want to, you know, I want to keep my mind on like the, you know, kind of my eye on the prize and, and, and move this thing to, um, you know, be successful at what it is that I'm trying to do, but there's just stress related to that. And then there's decision-making and the decision might have to go back and forth. And this really goes back to what you were just saying about um, earlier about Jupiter and Neptune and your mind still being together in this uh, configuration and how Jupiter is going to move back into Pisces um, to not fully meet, but they're going to be present. They're going to be <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm going to talk to you at the, from uh, around yeah. the corner. Um, but it's almost like Jupiter really goes ahead 
into this really, you know, pioneering new territory, like getting its feet wet or not wet, I guess, or uh, <laughs> trial by fire. Yeah. Trial bit. by fire. Yeah. yeah, Trial by fire to then kind pulling of like, a flaming yeah. sword out of the, <laughs> yeah. Really, uh, the stone, like Excalibur. Or like, the, out of the water, out of the water. Out yeah. The water, yeah. Out of the water. Yeah. And, and then it's going to come back and, and like, uh, yeah. you know, cause I, I was likening it to uh, just, almost uh, baggage that has not been dealt with when Jupiter has to go back into Pisces, right? Because it's like, you want the new beginning. You want to move on to the next thing. You want to initiate this. You want that new start. But it's like, what hasn't been dealt with yet? It could be an emotional component. It could be a relational component. It could be uh, parts of the dream that haven't quite worked out and need to be reconfigured a little bit. But I feel like that's part of Jupiter, like moving ahead here to come back later is that there's, you know, there's, there's some sort of something hasn't been fully dealt with yet to really cap not, not capitalize that's my capricorn moon talking but uh jupiter get that jupiter and neptune configuration and really have jupiter move forward into and kind of like instigate the dream mm-hmm. or etc yeah and the mercury opposite saturn at the same time makes me think of um when i was just at norak i saw a talk that lynn bell did on just oppositions and she was really focusing a lot on just the idea of like creation, creation stories and oppositions being sort of intrinsic to that and that and an opposition in a natal chart, but you could also, I think applies to a transit, you know, something has to give and, you know, they're facing off. And um, one of the first steps is, you know, sometimes it does involve conflict, but sometimes that, that conflict is just sort of what's, needs to be worked through as part of that creation. So yeah, it could be just some inner conflicts based on moving through this change or threshold here, or, you know, something comes up maybe more external conflict you have to face and navigate around and figure out, you know, how to deal with, but. And and so interesting thing about oppositions just in general, and I know they're like considered like the nature of Saturn or what have Mm -hmm. you, but to me in a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's kind of the, um, and this speaks to Venus and Saturn being related, you know, to, by, by dignity there. Um, it has a Venusian side to it, right? Because I mean, Venus is the unifier. Venus is the one that helps us take two separate parts and uh, bring them into union or merge them or find the uh, common ground. Um, And to me, that is like the higher side of oppositions. It's like the the tension comes there because there are these two separate views or we're dealing with a polarity, but with any polarity, there is a common ground. It's just, you have to find it through the tension. Um, And that's a kind of a a Venusian process in my mind. Um, And to have so much Venus going on within this, obviously with the the Taurus dynamic there um, and then Venus and cancer, I think that that could be uh, part of it. Venus is also mediating the nodal opposition here. So Venus is, so it really speaks to what you're talking about, that as this is all getting set off, Venus is ruling the North node or responsible for the, you know, responsible for caring for the North node and Uranus and Mars, but then trining the South node. So um, yeah, is in the real mediating position there relative to the nodes and that dynamic. Yeah. And she's going (laughs) to, um, she's she's really going to, it's fascinating to watch Venus just, 
you know, move side by side with the, the Mars Uranus conjunction and the North node, like it, it's all happening with Venus sextile, uh, almost exactly, you know, on July 31st, August 1st. That's yeah. I didn't actually write down when Venus, when does Venus, perf- oh, is that there perfects a sextile with Mars? Okay. I was on, wondering when that happened. Yeah. Like August 1st, um, <laughs> August 2nd. It's yeah. Around there. So, Sextiles, both of them. Yeah. So if you can't tell already by how much we've talked about the last, you know, <laughs> you know, July 19th through the, through early August here, really, really bringing this one home with uh, how important this time is uh, for, for this year in general. Um, of course, we have very important times coming with the eclipses that we're going to talk about, but um, this is a very defining moment of 2022 uh, for yeah, changing. It really is. And to have Uranus, Mars, North Node all lined up here at the beginning of August, I guess we, we've, I feel like we've probably already talked about that enough, but um this is when it just actually happens. Um, yeah, August 1st. The August other thing 2nd. that I guess we haven't necessarily talked about is that it's the, it's also, you know, so activating towards the Saturn dynamic. And we, as soon as Mars is like barely separating from Uranus, you know, Mars yep. is going straight into a square with Saturn. Yeah. So it's like, I'm free. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right. So there could be also, yeah, there, there is that on one level, there could be that, you know, very like liberating wanting to break out, wanting to change something, but then really coming up against an obstacle or something having to slow you down or something having to just, okay, how do we, so the, the best would be just to be, as you're going through this, you know, we know this is coming ahead of time. Um, the more you can be kind of grounded planning, keeping Saturn in mind the whole time, you know, you, I, I do think at the same time, something could really come out into a great form here. You just have to be really on top of it the whole time, like doing your research, knowing what you need to do, what steps are involved in whatever you're working on creating or building. And it can, it can come through this and come out. But if, if I guess if there's something that's just like really unrealistic or you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, you, you haven't been paying attention that Mars leaving us and hitting Saturn could be a rude awakening. If, if you, yeah. Yeah. So you just you need know, to be on top of that. Yeah. yeah. Or you upend something completely and then there's repercussions that come with right. it, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's yeah. like you have those quick actions. Oh, I don't know how fast Mars and Taurus moves, but um, you know, uh, adding your, well, that's a, to the, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's interesting because we haven't talked about it. Like normally we'd be talking about yeah, Mars and Taurus moving kind of slower not, we don't think of that as being a fast Mars. So that's what's so fascinating is that with the North Node and Uranus, yeah, it's it's more like a, yeah, there's something getting kind of stampeding. Uh, so it's going a lot faster and changes, changes coming out of this Taurus process. So yeah, if, if you have Taurus, Scorpio, fixed placements, um, especially Taurus placements, or wherever you have Taurus, it's just really it seems like massive life changing type of things happening here. Yeah, and I think about you. You know, you think about the the bull being very stubborn, being mm-hmm. rigid in a sense, and and it's interesting with Uranus. Like we want to say, like it's very liberating and it wants to break things apart. It happens fast, but Uranus is also very rigid in its own right when it when it 
comes to like staying to a stance that might be out of the box or eccentric or erratic or, you know, and so mm-hmm. it, it could have that component too, where you're just sticking so tightly to something that is, um, that is a little off the wall. And, and then Saturn, or I don't want to say off the wall, but it might be different. Um, and Saturn comes around and Saturn has that, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Conventional, you know, type of mm-hmm. energy to it where it's like, oh, I'm going to stick to this like outlier type of position. And then Saturn's like, no, you're part of everyone else or you're part of this law or you're part of this rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're part of this form and you got, you know, you kind of got to work with it. Um, but I like what you were saying earlier about like, because Uranus can be very stimulating in the sense of where it, you're just, you, something comes in and it's like, it's just a breakthrough. Uh, and if that happens too, then you got to be prepared maybe to do, to do the work or deal with the hard stuff that comes after that with the Saturn, you know, Mars square Saturn. Cause it's not going to just going to be that. I guess what we're getting to is it's not going to be just an easy shift. There is some sort of difficult component or some sort of uh, determination or sort of, sort of like longevity to your effort or ch- challenge to um, your uh, motivation or direction that's going to come directly after it. And uh, if you can be as prepared as possible for it, which maybe that's where the Taurus comes in. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think fish. there is a, that's a thing just to keep in mind. Yeah. You, yeah. You want to be paying attention. Yeah. But yeah. Doing what you need to do all leading up before this time. Yeah. But also interesting, this is where you have this, where that's really coming into effect. It's like a waxing yeah, we have first, a first quarter, quarter moon. And so then it's heading towards the full moon, yeah, on, on the south node, which is always going to be really triggering. But then as it goes towards the full moon, which is going to eventually be setting us off exactly, because the full moon is going to be with Saturn and squaring Uranus. In between that, um, Venus moves from sextiling all that Taurus exactly she's still within a whole sign sextile but then she goes over an opposition uh with Pluto on the way to going into Leo which just makes me think about all the massive re-changing with relationship dynamics that took place at the end of last year the beginning of this year with that long extended Venus Pluto contact this is the first time she's come around to finally like facing off with Pluto and it comes in at the same time, all this stuff is happening in Taurus. Taurus, exactly. Um, so it's sort of, it makes me just think of like really, um, yeah, some kind of, not like it's at the end of that process, but some, it, there could be some stuff, I guess, just referring back, like back to those things that were changing and shifting during that whole Venus, Pluto extended retrograde and time period with like, then we had like Mars and Venus and Pluto all together for so long. And now we have, you know, Mars is hanging out with Uranus and the North and then Venus is opposite Pluto. And Mars is going to then trine Pluto, basically. I mean, it's coming to trine Pluto at the same time. So there's, yeah, there just seems like there's something, something, however relationships are changing, are, there's, that's really kind of adding in this like deeper kind of layer to to what's happening here they're in um, Taurus, yeah yeah like so there's like it's, something's really emerging out of that whole process that was going on but like stuff we would have not have realized like whatever's going on here we would have had no idea back in december just december <laughs> where, early January, where we'd yeah. be here but there's probably for a lot of people a, a line a, a thread of a line of thread 
that goes between well, those. Yeah. And so if we think about that, we pull back to Venus and Mars uh, conjuncting on Pluto back uh, around February 15th, 16th, somewhere around there earlier in the year. And I remember talking to Gary Caton about, um, you know, the Venus Mars cycle and this kind of like five part uh, journey that they do with their conjunctions. Mm. Um, and he likened that particular conjunction with the start of the next cycle. So that particular one that was on Pluto. Um, so there is something to be said, especially since we've been, uh, you know, illuminating this Venus Mars relationship from cancer to Taurus, obviously the Taurus Venus component. And so, yeah. I think, you know, if you pull back to mid-February, maybe things that were happening there within relationships or, um, you know, or within the way your value structure might be changing and shifting and morphing in some way, um, or just sense of completeness or, you know, (laughs) you know, within yourself, um, uh, or even some aesthetic that you've been working with, you know, Venus deals with, you know, aesthetic and design and, and looks and such, um, and, you know, that creativity and art component. There, there's going to be a, a very dynamic turning point that happens around this time too. That um, you maybe even could look to the uh, Cancer full moon that happens, you know, before then that can light up, you know, because a lot of times these planets carry themes um, where you know we keep repeating that point <clears throat> of the zodiac. So uh, this is August eighth, and so once again we are really crunching in this like July nineteenth through uh, yeah through mid-August period. So do you want to do the full moon real quick? I mean, just mentioning the full moon, it basically, it's just a continuation of the same, of the same Mm -hmm. theme. It's not really anything different than what we've been talking about. It's just this full moon. Just on Saturn. It, um, I don't know what the, (laughs) what the right analogy is, but I don't know if exactly an exclamation point, but this, this whole dynamic we've been talking about, this just is another, yeah, just it completely sets it off because oh, I mean, that's my, my those are my that's my midheaven and I see I'm like oh, uh, I'm yeah well, so that'll be some put that on my big, calendar <laughs> yeah might be um you're moving somewhere whether it's moving physically or moving I'm trying career, to move moving I'm career like, directions so yeah so that's, that's a good example so like long extended process of moving I mean maybe you'd think something like this would dislodge stuff, right? Although I, um, I do have this sneaking suspicion that something's going to happen with the place that I do live at. And my okay. intuition was telling me in August or September. Okay. And I just had this a couple, I had just had this like a week ago and I just felt okay. it. And so yeah. now seeing this, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. But, so it's uh, a full moon with Saturn. Um, that's also squaring Uranus and squaring Mars. So this, and this is, um, also makes me think of just the the recent eclipses we had. You know, this is like the full moon that comes in between the eclipse season. Um, yeah, it's just. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this this could be if it's a difficult. You know, if there, if there's difficult things going on, this could be kind of like a sobering type of full moon that just makes you kind of realize, like, hey, this is what I really have to do now, and you know, in some cases, you might just not need, you know not give up hope just making a reappraisal of, of something. Cause, cause Saturn just might, you know, the, so the action with Saturn could reveal something like that, but it can also really make things real. Um, a lot of, it, we just know that this is definitely going to signal change again, the same kind yeah. of dynamic we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and some some sort of very fixed change, um, mm-hmm. and in relation to just thinking the sun 
in its in its domicile in Leo and Saturn in its domicile and in, in Aquarius there. So we have these very strong planets that are in this tug of war position with each other to some extent with the you know the moon on Saturn. Yeah, side, obviously. And the full moon's also announcing the entrance of Venus into Leo. So now we're going to have Venus getting out of this, you know, sign where maybe she's a little bit more comfortable because it's a very watery, emotional, receptive sign. But yeah, Venus and Leo can be a real powerhouse. And I really like Venus and fire signs. There's, there's going to be a lot of more um, kind of radiance and that Venetian quality. Um, yeah, just so, so now v, basically this is then introducing this theme of like Venus starting to head towards the whole thing that we've been talking about. Yeah. But um, and, and at this point, she's kind of farther away from them. So it might be a little bit more. I mean, that's one thing about the full moon. Uh, Venus is definitely going to bring in some fire to take some action around whatever is going on. Then there's also the neat thing that we didn't talk about uh, but earlier when is it uh august 3rd so earlier in august mercury goes into virgo and at this point when we get to the full moon mercury's coming to trine all that taurus so i would actually say that is interesting because there's a bit of mercury's not really in relationship to saturn at this time but is in relationship to all the Taurus. So Mercury is passing through a trine to the North Node, a trine to Uranus, and not and it's sort of out of aspect and averse to Saturn. So um, Mercury's in a place to really help. That, that to me, even though the full moon is kind of emphasizing Saturn, Mercury is really emphasizing making something dynamic happen out of all that, that really changing you know, breakout kind of Taurus quality that that's been going on. Yeah. And I think, I think that's going to be very helpful to have Mercury so strong and like flowing with this because to me, Virgo and mutable earth, you know, this is, this is energy of transitioning, you know, what your physical life in some way, whether that is moving, whether that is changing jobs, whether it is like perfecting a project you've been working on, trying to move it to the end. There's just some, this is the, this transitioning point of, something that is very tangible. And I think that a lot of, uh, and so if we are dealing with, you know, shakeups and, and the, this very fixed earth position, we're going to need mercury in the strength and like moving and like on board, like mm-hmm. I'm on board. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to find the next place. I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it's just in a, a headspace that is going to facilitate whatever change needs to happen um, in an efficient, uh, and resourceful way. Mm-hmm. And so that is, a, I think that is a blessing to, to this position. Um, and the same with Venus over there in Leo moving to the, the trine with Jupiter, you know, she's on board for some sort of uh, change or progress or moving forward. And so there, there are these nice trines going on within some of these more tense configurations, at least with the personal planets that help us like just move, you know, daily life along to like within everything that is kind of shifting. And like, I think about the fixed signs turning, just being this big chunk of the wheel, you know, like it's all rusty. It's all, it's hard to turn, but it turns um, and everything's different, but at least we have, you know, like Venus and Mercury, at least at this point in mid August kind of on board for what, for what's happening for the change. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that, yeah. Venus is also training Jupiter. 
Venus, Jupiter trying, Mercury trying, Uranus kind of happening same time. So, and this kind of feels like this, not to say that nothing happens after this, because that's not the, <laughs> this is not the case at all, but there's something to be said that I feel like that July 19th kind of point up until about now, you know, mid yeah, the August um, 15th, when Mercury helps move that position along and we get past that full moon. I think that is the, uh, that is kind of the exit point of at least of that crunch time for those particular, I mean, Venus is going to light that up again, but I think that just speaking with the lunations and the luminary energy behind it and yeah, yeah. it'll help maybe soften it a little, not soften it, but you know, yeah, it makes uh, me think cohesive. Yeah. Like if something, so basically at that full moon, you can you know, you bring things to a head. And if that full moon on Saturn is like, whoa, this, you didn't, weren't paying attention to this or this, you know, it, it's kind of nice that following that we get Venus trining Jupiter and Mercury trining all the Taurus stuff. So I feel like it could help like recover from yeah or adjust or yeah. Yeah. So, um, now, okay, so kind of what's happening, that's like the next big thing in my mind. Yeah. Obviously, Mars moving on. Yeah, we uh, should go into that. Yeah. Mars moving on to uh, Gemini. Gemini, yeah. August 20th. Uh, yeah. And so get situated. <clears throat> Gonna be there a long time till March 2023. Yeah, I think Ooh. I wrote down March 25th. Um, that so might, that, be, so that might be Pacific. <laughs> yeah, for most of March. So, yeah. So the rest of August, the rest of the year and the first almost, yeah, first three months of the next year. Yeah, March 25th. Yeah. We have, oh, good Lord. And I'm someone with Mars and Gemini and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. We're excited about it. No, no positions that bad, right? (laughs) So the reason this is the case is because we're eventually going to get this whole uh, Mars retrograde that comes in, but I guess, I don't know if we, we could, I guess we can talk about that a little bit yeah. later. I mean, the thing that's interesting before we, before we get to that Mars retrograde, we are going to go through a Mercury retrograde. And what's kind of interesting is this is the place where Mercury, right when Mars goes into Gemini, which is a Mercury sign, uh, Mercury is still in Virgo and is like, you know, coming into a pose Neptune and this is a place basically where Mercury is going to eventually come back to station direct. Cause we're going to basically go through a Mercury retrograde that it's Mercury going to Libra, um, oppose Jupiter, interestingly station retrograde and come back and station direct opposite Neptune. So we'll actually sort of weave together the Jupiter Neptune thing. And that will happen as, Mars is in Gemini, Mercury's sign, and it will be before we get to the Mars retrograde, but it's kind of interesting foreshadowing. I don't know. There's something interesting about that, that we go through this whole Mercury retrograde. Mars is in the sign of Mercury moving along, but then Mercury, it's already on some level going through this liminal process before it even gets to its own retrograde because its ruler is going through a retrograde, I guess is what I was thinking with that. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as that's happening, yeah, we're getting a lot of, it's a, it's a big, that's a big change. And then the, basically the sun goes into Virgo, um, Uranus stations, which again, Uran, when Uranus stations, um, I have it as August 24th. Um, 
that tends to be a, a big, big wake up in some area. Often there is some so something a little bit unexpected coming through. Um, this would you really think so with it stationing right with the north node? Um, and I think it's about a day after that, around August 25th, that Mercury goes into Libra. So there's a lot of change happening here um, at the end of August. I mean, what's kind of nice is that Mercury goes into Libra, so it's trining Mars in, in Gemini. But then, like I said, it's going to eventually go retrograde. So there's going to be um, some sort of liminal passage here related to Mercury. Yeah. So we have the Mercury component. We have the, the Mars component. So basically Mercury and Mars are uh, forming this team of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, I like that you brought the Uranus station up because I think it's important in relation to all the Uranian energy we just went through with the, you know, the weeks preceding and obviously the eclipse energy and then Venus and yeah, right smack dab in the middle of Leo, yeah. uh, coming into square Uranus right Activating it right there. Yeah. And so basically August 24th, um, through August 28th, when, uh, she opposes Saturn. Once again, we have a, the the Saturn Venus story coming to its next, you know, critical placement. Um, but it, it, but she interacts with that Uranus component, right. As it's fully strengthened in the stationary aspect. Um, so I think great time for a astrology conference for this, like me, that are going to Ysar. Ysar. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a good time for an astrology conference. So sure. it'll probably be, probably be dynamic. Yeah, it'll be dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that is, so just for a lot of things that we were talking about with, you know, the, the women's rights movements and, um, you know, making just things being active, activated there and just social, you know, social uproar. There could definitely be some activism around, yeah, activism, women's movement, uh, any kind of, um, it could be stuff around the gun violence, gun initiatives, you know, racism, um, any social justice stuff. Yeah, that could all get really activated here. Yeah, so just the the end of August when the heat is high just in general uh and we'll just have come off a new moon in yeah. uh, virgo a new moon in virgo basically seeds with that energy <laughs> in it with venus opposite saturn there um and what's interesting with the, yeah. Mars. yeah what's interesting but that's what i was going to say yeah it's a new moon in virgo that's basically squaring mars so yeah there's like, definitely much, some exactly. um yeah um yeah, so it, it's yeah. it's it's squaring Mars. So there's something um, again. Uh, if you're at an astrology conference, maybe um, watch what you're seeing. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, or there could be some throwdown fights between different schools of astrology, perhaps <laughs> something not <laughs> different. Schools but but um, but um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, there could be some some conflict around that. But at the end time, this is you know very catalytic. A new moon squaring Mars. Mars is not retrograde yet. Uh, Mercury is ruling Mars, is trining Mars. But it's it's interestingly right at this time when um, that new moon is when Mercury is basically hitting 
its maximum elongation as an evening star, which is which is so we're we're getting a really interesting thing where this is again before the Mercury retrograde, but that means Mercury's gone it's gone up as high as it's getting as an evening star. That means it's starting to it's it's gonna start to slow down here. It's and um so and this is usually a good time to uh like when you mentioned talking to Gary Kane, he's somebody that writes about this, um, this being an important kind of phasal shift with Mercury. We're, we're now in the passage where it's going to start slowing down and preparing to like go down to the underworld when it stations retrograde. That won't happen until, um, when does that happen? Um, the retrograde? September 9th. So, you know, we're, we're still you know, over not quite two weeks, but over a week away from it actually stationing retrograde, but we're, we're kind of shifting into it. So this, it's an, it's an interesting, yeah, this, this Virgo new moon cycle that comes in is not an aspect of Jupiter. Um, it's very tightly squaring Mars and it's sort of announcing in a way like the impending Mercury retrograde, you know, just with Mercury being up there at a max elongation um, this is a good, this would be a good time to start, but I like doing heading into a Mercury retrograde, which I don't actually find that I don't find Mercury retrograde to be a big issue for me personally, but I do like to be paying attention to that build up period and just sort of be ahead of it, like paying attention for any signs of what I need to kind of look at and fix or, you know, get serviced or whatever it is. Um, and just knowing that we're we're on the precipice of a lot of a lot of um change here at at this virgo new moon yes and um not that it's already been happening there's already been a bunch of changes like i guess another wave of change it's like just another another wave is coming in here yeah and and it's it's a wave of change (laughs) that still involves mars uh, because obviously mars is is thoroughly behind this but we are getting a mercurial mars we're not getting a venusian mars this time mm-hmm. and so we're we're moving it's, that's where we get kind of that different component and we get a faster one right i mean mars and venus and you know taurus like this is a slower moving type of thing but when you get you, you know you get mercury involved and and mars and a gem and gemini like this is just faster faster paced, uh, action and, and mutable transitionary action. It's not transitionary. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, it's a different feel. Very um, mentally Mars, active, yes. ment- mentally active. Um, there could be a, 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 influx of, you know, actions around speaking, teaching, um, building things with the hands, I guess being a Gemini thing too. So like cra- different crafts, um, Gemini is a humanitarian sign. So, human you know humanitarian or um again activist stuff or like you know people fighting over over their viewpoints or what they what they think what they believe is is the right thing to do um and we're, this is also the point where we're we're not at the retrograde yet but as we're getting closer to mercury mars going retrograde um, something that's going to be part, it's already part of the wars, like in the Ukraine, a big thing is like the information warfare going on and people are trying to control the narrative and, and, and that kind of thing, whether it's a political battle leading up to the election there, uh, uh, you know, information warfare just seems like a big, a big storyline here. Yeah. 
So now I know that the, uh, I think we're probably going to go into the Libra ingress here because it feels like a good yeah, that's okay. that. we can jump. You can jump um, to that. I we're going to jump to that, but I'm going to pause the recording for two seconds because nature calls. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we're back fresh. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to go into the, the Libra equinox chart, which is definitely a big one, um, especially because this particular uh, chart with you uh, harken back to the um, Aries ingress, at least for the United States, it was a mutable sign. So we are definitely wanting to pay attention heavily to the Libra ingress as far as like a pickup point of what the Aries ingress uh, initiated, at least here in, in the U.S. So, um, let's quite let's a statement. It's quite a, it's quite a statement. <clears throat> <laughs> you think it's a statement piece right there? Yeah. So yes. if you're not able to see the video screen, it's roughly what? September 22nd, 2022 yeah. at 9.03 PM. Washington. In Washington, D.C., and that is places that are Uranus rising. Uranus is on the ascendant of the chart with the North Node about three degrees away above the ascendant. The midheaven is about 28 degrees of Capricorn, placing Pluto retrograde at 26 degrees of Capricorn, just like falling off the angle by like two degrees. So basically, Pluto's on the midheaven, just like Saturn was on the midheaven at the Cancer solstice one. And then it's a uh, Mercury is um, I would give it a say it, it's basically Kazemi. It's not 16 minutes, uh, but it's within 30 minutes of a conjunction with the sun. So we're heading in. So Mercury would have stationed retrograde what on September 9th, I think. And mm-hmm. this is the when we get to the equinox, it's the midpoint of the um, Mercury retrograde. Um, where Mercury is being, you know, burned up and reanimated um, opposite Jupiter. Um, but yeah, the, the Uranus being on the ascendant, Pluto being on the midheaven, um, again, being at this Pluto return time. Yeah, this just it's, shows I know, this incredibly little... disruptive and, and um, yeah. Yeah, and we have to also look at the, the chart, you know, Taurus ruled chart uh, with Venus in her fall and Virgo in the opposition to Neptune. Opposition um, to Neptune, yeah. Yeah, and so that's uh, a little rough on, little rough on Venus there. Um, especially, so here we have these. Especially in terms of, I mean, a very, very literal, you know, unimagined, not really, I mean, not to say it's unimagined, but just like pretty textbook delineation of that would be you know venus in the fall it's a fifth house whole so i'm guessing it looks like it's probably even fifth house on a quadrant system um around reproductive rights and being opposite neptune yep that looks a little um tricky for that um <sighs> but um looks like oh well, the moon is barely in the fifth house leo in that chart too yeah um again really to the uh, election of stuff though this could also make me think about um you know this, this idea of like women's issues you know another way to look at that is being at the fall we has kind of fallen as far the advantage of being in fall 
is you can't get any worse. You can't go, you can't <laughs> fall, you can't fall any further. There's yeah. nothing to go but up. And so there, this could also maybe opposite Neptune really spark a lot of countercultural movement and activism. Uh, Venus and Virgo um, is actually a great placement for um, feminism or any kind of social action, you know, being um, able to really organize, being really critical, having critical thought. You know, there's going to be a lot to probably be critical of. So giving yes. Venus and Virgo a lot of opportunities to be critical, criticizing, reorganizing. Um, I guess that's the way I would definitely w- would want to think about thinking about that Venus. Um, critical of the illusions of, I guess, the American dream relative to the U.S. Pluto return. Um the moon is separating from the opposition with Saturn and I guess is applying to Jupiter. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's it, not. Oh, it's um, another, um, we seem to be in another scenario where the moon is just uh, drifting like into. It's not making an aspect, aspect in the next 13 degrees. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's the same as the Aries, uh, ingress but there's something to be said about this late degree moon that is moving past an aspect and not necessarily yeah. getting into anything it's not void of course if you use the if you use the world where it gets to go a whole you know sign forward but if you're if you're going to use like a 13 degree orb it doesn't have an aspect within its orb approaching orb yeah but it, the moon is near well it's a little bit farther away but it's it's heading towards regulus <laughs> some kind of thing so like the heart of the line maybe uh but yeah it's that's interesting um it it make i guess there's a thing about yeah um mm-hmm. it's i'm like, trying to I think of something just, something positive to say i'm, I'm, I'm not like i'm not it, i kind of just it, not gonna not say anything just like, the, let's see what happens this, this chart <laughs> i feel like this chart needs a moment of silence <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's what yeah, that's, that's, a, that's like. how I'm. That's how I'm feeling that's right how now. I feel about it when I yeah. look at it because it's. Um, I'm that's like, very hmm, true. It yeah. needs a moment of silence. This, yeah. this chart, and uh, yeah. and essentially, I mean, here in the U.S., this chart's carrying us uh, until the next Aries ingress. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so but I mean, having the Sun Mercury Kazemi there, Mercury, uh, you know, r- retrograde, get, just being. Like almost the Kazemi, the traditional seventeen minutes, but uh, yeah, no, it's it. um, it's pretty. Cl- I would, it's definitely that's it's, it's close enough. I feel like it's close enough. Um, yeah, within uh this cycle, and and it's just interesting to think about like the Sun and Mercury being in the opposition to Jupiter, and then Venus being in the opposition to Neptune, because I think that really speaks to what you were talking about earlier. Um, with the, just the connection of Jupiter and Neptune together, because it's now other planets are speaking to that through oppositions, you know, because Mercury is in Venus's sign and Venus is in Mercury's sign. So there is kind of this. Yeah. I mean, making that Venus a little in a tougher position, but let's, this is where we need to really, I think, play up the underworld theme that I like to use with Venus in fall, because Venus is actually also heading into like the if you use eight degrees for combustion you know if we're if venus 
depending on sometimes Venus can be still visible um, for a long time. I, I don't know the, the situation with this particular Venus here, but definitely is far under the beams approaching combust. So we are, we are in, you know, Venus is in an underworld journey right here. Um, as we come into this equinox and she's in a particularly somewhat uh difficult elite. I mean, there's something going on with that Neptune. She's facing some sort of, um, you want to call it a typhonic sea monster or illusion uh-huh. or like, uh, illusions. Um, but there's also maybe a sense of, um, how can that idea, the idealism that you have and the way you'd like the world to be the way you can, um, I do think of Venus and Virgo too, um, being really adept, adept at going through the underworld. Um, I've given a talk before talking about her in relation to the Psyche and Aerosmith, um, the trials um, that Psyche has to go through in the story of Psyche and Eros. Mm. She's definitely dealing with a lot of overwhelm and is actually, you know, somewhat suicidal during the story and kind of throwing herself off of things, but actually, um, is also there's also a real sort of like animistic aspect to the story of her just being in communication with other beings, other life forms. Um, and so Neptune, Venus being opposite Neptune almost makes me think in almost like an animistic way of, of just, um, you know, she's in the underworld, she's in the dark, but you know, in that, in that darkness and that depth, what are you able to contact? You know, there, there, how your relationship with spirits, with land, with ancestors, really drawing on, um, on, on, on those things. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but she's, she's, she's really in this, like under, she's really in this depth of this underworld process here as we're, as we're going into the fall, the fall. Well, cause it makes me think of, um, like I started listening to the audiobook recently of the uh, trauma in the soul. I think I'm saying, saying that right. Okay. They're talking about dealing with uh, trauma. Um, and, you know, when you have those dark nights of the soul, how the only place, you know, when the, when the world is turned against you in a sense, or it's hard to deal with the outside of, you know, reality um, because it could be harsher or more difficult or, or traumatic in some sense. There is that split off, you know, I think about mutable signs here and that split off of the, uh, the personality that keeps its soulful aspect because it is commuting, like you said, in the underworld space with spirit and, and the soul and the, in this, you know, more, you know, cause here, I feel like we have the, the mundane, the mundane Virgo and we have the, you know, kind of the more spiritual soul aspect of, of Pisces and maybe Venus is going through this fall moment and and the outside world is not the ideal or difficult to, to handle, or there's transitions happening that are just, um, you know, it can really get, get the spirit, uh, you know, and the feminine down, but it's, there's still this place of the, the soul and the, in the spiritual journey in this, um, more ethereal place to latch onto that helps get through more the more difficult aspects of whatever she's going through in the mundane world, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I feel like and, that piggybacked on yes. what you're saying. And she's recently into the first quarter square phase with Mars. So there's been a shift in the Venus Mars, Mars relationship as we come in here, which is which is a you know I think there's something about that that's interesting with in terms of this 
being this Venus that she needs to go down into this underworld journey here. Um, but there's something there where even though she's opposite Neptune, she is trining Uranus and trining um, Pluto. So interestingly, there's a, a earth triangle between Venus, Pluto and Uranus with Venus and Pluto and Uranus very angular. So it does make me think about uh, gathering with people um, and who are aligned with what you want to create. And, and there could be some, hopefully um, effective activism and, and things going on here. And this is going to be all part of this build up to this election that we're oh, in, 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 in relative to the United States. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, and we're going to get to the point where uh, Venus is very, um, it, you know, very much aligned with the solar eclipse that's coming. Uh, and it makes me think too, you know, pointing out that Venus in the, you know, lighting up that loose, uh, grand earth trying with Uranus and Pluto. It's like Venus has become the underdog. She is, a, she is deeply an underdog right now. Um, but I think that that's when, when we talk about you know, debilitated placements and planets, it's like, that's when they get their superpower because you can't like, you can't, you can't play by the rules. You know what I mean? Like, and that's maybe that's part of the Uranian uh, component that I'm tapping into right now. It's like Venus has to twist it around. She has to like not be so nice or not go get, you know, like mm-hmm. or not nice, but you know what I mean? That not He's uh, a critical, to go along critical with it. Yeah, critical yeah, viewpoint and um, be real discerning. I mean, we necessarily be judgmental um, as far as making choices and yeah. Yeah. So, and then we have, a, I don't know if we talked about Mars being trying Saturn um, in the chart. Oh, no, we, we didn't. So, yeah. So yeah. Mars is coming into trying Saturn. Yeah. So there's that, there's that component too. And um, obviously Mars is going to make that placement three times with mm-hmm. uh, its retrograde. So, and that's the very interesting thing about all these planets that are moving through um, Taurus and Gemini uh, is that, especially right now in this particular point in time that gray and I are talking, uh, Saturn and Neptune are like at the same degree, uh, even by like the minute it's like really close. And so there's this, uh, interaction with both Neptune and Saturn, um, at the same time, depending on what sign you're in, you know, obviously you get a a square to Saturn and a sextile to Neptune when you're in Taurus and you, a trine to Saturn and a, a square to Neptune when you're in Gemini, but there mm-hmm. is this influence um, and that's going on with these two seemingly different, you know, one, one is structure, one has form, one is just mm-hmm. dissolving and uh, elusive. So, and with an angular Uranus, Pluto, and then uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet with Mars and Gemini is a is, uh, risk of like mental anxiety and mental yes. overwhelm with Mars in an mm-hmm. air sign. And then Venus and Mer- Virgo has the same, you know, being in a Mercury sign and then also the fall of Venus also can create mental anxieties. And so that would be something else, I think, um, whatever is going on, you know, just just knowing that this is coming in this this period and there'll, there'll be the need for caretaking, caregiving of others and also of yourself and and figuring out how to create practices, probably daily practices and um, reaching out to others when needed, either it's for your own support or supporting them. Just, you know, there could be some definitely 
propensity for mental overwhelming anxieties with, as you can imagine, like, you know, this is, uh, we keep talking about everything is going to change and change and change and change in the, in the period leading up to this. So that would be part of this too. Yeah. I, I, I like, uh, that angle because you know, we can't, we can't control life. We can't, you know, we can to some extent, but many of the things that are around us in these bigger uh, world dynamics, there's a lot of things that are out of our control, which can be difficult for earth positions. Um, but, you know, I think of Virgo in general being very health related, very, you know, it's a purifying sign. Uh, Neptune asks us to, to let go and release things. Um, and a lot of times we have to do that in order to move through anxieties um, and things that we churn up in our head and get, you know, having Mars and Gemini natally, like in any Mars and air sign, you have Mars and air sign too, right? Yeah, right? I have Mars and Aquarius. Yeah. yeah. There's, um, you know, put, add that Marshall, uh, just stir up, stirring the pot to the, the intellect and in the mental zone. Um, and especially in Gemini, it's like, it can become a bit much. And so we need to have some, sometimes you need to let go. You know, you have to to let go. You have to to just be with what is. You have to have to remove yourself from it to uh, come to a, a greater sense of wholeness or balance, um, and know that those situations change. You might not be able to upkeep that you know homeostasis within yourself, but you have to keep coming at it. And coming at it might be by either removing yourself from the stimulus of what it is, or like just, or going through that meditation process where you just have to kind of like let go in the mind and, and, and release it, take some baths, take some, take some nice long baths with that, uh, the Neptune energy. But I think you're absolutely right with there just being a lot of mental, um, tension and overwhelm and just anxiety. Yeah. Just a final thing, um, kind of going what you were just saying, mythically and also speaking to the the thing i brought up with like psyche and like an underworld journey for venus is that i just glanced at the chart that i had printed out and what i actually saw if if so if we actually put series on this chart who is a dwarf planet and it's according to astronomy yeah series is right actually there with the moon so it's actually a very close moon series going on here so the moon is applying to something it's very closely applying to series and leo um which part of the the series story is of course with demeter and the abduction of persephone into the underworld and her whole journey of grief which which has this whole letting go aspect that you're just speaking to um and she eventually you know does return to being productive again but um and this would also, I think, speak to the concern about supply chain issues, whether that's from the wheat in Ukraine and whatever happens happening with that and the um, to a bunch of other things, you know. Um, um, so just with like food or food shortages or, you know, um, concern about survival and, that, and all that kind of thing, as well as um, I think Sirius can be just how she kind of is like, I'm not going to produce. Um, that can also get, I think, serious. Demetra George does, in fact, mention series in asteroid goddesses with labor movements, labor strikes. Mm. Um, so labor issues, yeah. children issues, yeah, all those kinds of it's fifth house. So, um, 
yeah, just wanted to bring that in that, that that's actually that series is actually there. Um, and then interesting, it's a dark moon. So right after this, we get a new moon in Libra. Like, so we, we kind of come into the, the last quarter of the year and, um, there's a new moon almost immediately on around September 25th at the beginning of Libra and it's opposite Jupiter. Yeah. And that, I feel like that's, I mean, we saw, um, we saw the Jupiter component, obviously in the square with the cancer, uh, Mm -hmm. new moon. And then we saw the trine with the, the Leo, but, um, the cancer and the Libra both are definitely Jupiter activations. And so this seems to be the second round of like, like intensifying, you know, that kind of wheel of fortune, the what's changing, what's shifting the, the progress being mentioned, Jupiter, obviously on its way to hit the uh, zero degree Aries point again. Um, not immediately after this, but it is, it's on, it's on its way and headed back into Pisces. So it's kind of like the, the last, like very significant activation, I think before it moves back into Pisces. Yeah. And then also speaking of the Mercury retrograde, so Mercury, you know, has already gone through the reanimation, um, Mercury is still the retrograde, so we can st- still invisible, still kind of in a psychopomp underworld world role. So now, though, back in the exaltation and the home of Virgo, of Mercury in Virgo. So Mercury, even though retrograde and not visible, is exalted in its own sign. And at this new moon, it's very closely applying to Venus. Venus rules the new moon. She's in the fall, but she's, a, she's applying to an exalted uh, Mercury retrograde which it just seems that this is making me think about you know um again in that story demeter demeter um in one of the versions you know hermes or mercury is sent down to the underworld to basically negotiate persephone um being released back to the surface and and being able to then shift into this role where she's you know, above earth in the upper world. And then she then, you know, descends for part of the year to rule as queen of the underworld. Um, so there seems something interesting here about that, just themes about that. And um, that Merc- retrograde Mercury um, and, and Venus contact here is just interesting. It, it, it um, with Venus, ruling this new moon and her being in this underworld journey. It's just interesting. She's like interacting with this like underworld Mercury that's been going through this retrograde process and they're opposite Neptune. Like they're plotting. So, yeah. <laughs> Within the trine to Pluto. <clears throat> and they're trining Pluto too. Yeah. So there could be some real deep hidden information coming out here. Yeah. Looking under the surface of things. Um, Maybe even get, getting to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Of, um, of, of, especially after, you know, Mercury just, you know, meeting, meeting the sun right at that, uh, and, and we, you know, they they were separate. They were in that like mutual reception just by sign. And so now that it's almost like whatever Mercury learned, it's like, mer- or, or, or perceived or came to in its own underworld journey. And it's now like delivering the message to Venus. And it makes a very interesting relationship cycle just in general, because I mean, Libra, Libra cycles uh, are known for their uh, relational qualities and, and to mm-hmm. have it with in an opposition to Jupiter um, and having that Libra Aries component, you know, the, the I versus the we 
type of thing. Um, there could mm-hmm. be a lot of push pull between going together and, and going alone or, uh, what we want together, what I, what I want as this person, you know, uh, figure out the details of that or like those, mm-hmm. those things come out. It's like the, the reality is this, you know, that's what I think about with Virgo. It's like the reality is this, well, how do we work with this within, um, the relational dynamic? So that's kind of what I feel might be coming out here and, and, and especially with Mars about to, you know, getting closer and closer to its retrograde and yeah. Yeah. And with Jupiter, um, being at the, it's a, it's a ret- it's like the heart of the Jupiter retrograde period where it's, yes. you know, really as close to us and over this Jupiter gets opposite to Neiman opposite Jupiter means the sun's opposite Jupiter exactly. as well as some me. And so, yeah, um, that's an important phase of the Jupiter. Yeah. So it really goes well with what you're just saying. It um, speaks to the, you know, the justice system as well, too. And mm-hmm. like, um, and the, in the, obviously the lead up to elections, because it's here we have, you know, a political, uh, er, political sides, you know, there's, there's this kind of side oriented thing, um, I think with Aries and, and Libra too. And so, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, so I think after this, the next big thing is it's very end of September. I have it as September 29th, but um, Venus goes into Libra. So Venus has a big change in condition from going from being fall to her own sign. (laughs) And um, then she's, of course, opposing Jupiter. So we get this big Venus-Jupiter activation. Yeah, on and then right then is basically as this is happening, as she makes that shift, Mercury is stationing direct. So that's almost like an interesting, like, uh, yeah, just a big shift of of that. Um, Venus sort of released from that. She goes into her own sign, and then Mercury is like stationing. So there's something big important messages coming through here. Mercury is stationing opposite Neptune, so there could be some piercing through things that you were confused about. Hopefully, um, certainly it's going to go with a bunch of misinformation, conspiracy theories, media propagation, media propaganda, media manipulation all over the place. You know, I mean, this has been an an election cycle. Um, We we don't know what's going to be going on with, um, Ukraine or other wars that could be starting to break out around this time. So the other thing is this is also Mars coming in to square Neptune here. Mercury's basically stationing in range of squaring Mars. Um, and we're getting now within, this is the beginning of October. So it's at the end of October that Mars um, stations retrograde on October 30th at 25 degrees of Gemini. So 25 degrees and a half of Gemini. So at this point, Mars is like at what, like 20 degrees of Gemini. So it's it's not going to be moved. It's not really moving more than about five more degrees um, for months at this point. It's 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 starting (laughs) to really slow down. And so sometimes before we even get to the exact mars retrograde there starts being things happening um i mean technically if we use like a week out from the stationing to you know it won't be till a couple more weeks that we get the um 
um, the the more full on stationing effect of Mars. But already as we're getting to this point, yeah, we're and then there's that full moon in Aries, like October 9th, that well, that's yeah, ruled that's by that 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 Mars. So that that's going to probably be a bigger activation of what I'm just talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because he, here's what it seems to be happening here with um, kind of this ramp up of the of this Mars story, but also the Neptune and also Mercury too, is because I mean, obviously, we know a full moon in Aries is going to be lit <laughs> to, to some extent. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of uh, of Aries there, um, which is October uh, 9th, I believe that happens, and. It seems to be this, uh, so basically Mars, who is just inching ever closer to Neptune, right? Because I mean, here, like essentially we have Mars bookending with its station uh, on the 30th with a square to Neptune. So it's just Mars, Neptune, essentially, which is just a... uh, and it, it's it's fascinating to me because we're, this is going to be our third year in a row of a very prominent retrograde that is creating this Gemini, Pisces, Neptune effect. Because in 2020, it was Venus squaring Neptune at these same, pretty much the same place. 2021, it was Mercury squaring Neptune on the plate, right? Like following Venus's lead. And now this year in 2022, it's Mars. And so it's like each personal planet has basically each year has gone through this square with Neptune in sort of the same place. And so now it's just Mars's turn to come along here. So, you know, so October, um, basically October 11th, just a couple days afterwards is the, the full moon when we have, uh, you know, the moon in Taurus at that point and kind of lighting up that whole thing that we've been talking about this whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have uh, Mercury over here at zero degrees of Libra, moving back into mm-hmm. Libra and lighting up that uh, conjunction point and the, the Libra ingress point, which is obviously important to what Mars is doing over here in Gemini and the square to Libra. So it's or square to Neptune, sorry. So it seems like here's another continuation of whatever that story of the Kazemi that was seeding in, in some way, because there's so much active Neptune with Venus opposing it. And then Mercury opposes it when it, when it stations direct and then Mars goes on to square it. And the Mercury visits this place opposing Jupiter. So I don't, this is, I feel like these are all pieces of the puzzle. I mean, life is pieces to the puzzle that continue moving, of course, but this one seems to be way more, um, intertwined, um, in, and confusing, but also coercive. Uh, and yeah, it, it's going to, it, it has this chaotic feeling to me, uh, in many ways. Um, but chaos of information, like you say, like misinformation and just so much being thrown at you and so much overwhelmed with just stimulus of processing. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's already a lot of media manipulation. There's already, unfortunately the I think I was the most angry about the not most angry, but the unfortunate thing about I feel like what was effective about Donald Trump and just how much he would like lie in general. Not that all politicians don't lie, but he was kind of like a set a new standard for lying. It's just like the, the use of fake news 
Mm. You know, that being so appealing to people because we, we do have fake news. You know, we, we do have media manipulation. But there are still good journalists working out there. And um, hopefully, I mean, maybe it'll be kind of cool. I guess a silver lining of all the Mars Gemini and uh, the retrograde Gemini. Perhaps there can be some really good journalism that's done, investigative journalism, other types of reporting and witnessing that also gets attention and makes a makes a difference. Um, but it's easy to, because, uh, and I guess the one thing I think about this is like, this is already going on. We already have lots of misinformation. We already have lots of conspiracy theories running rampant and out of control. Um, because there is a lot of just, yeah, just misinformation, like fake social media, you know, fake things that don't like in the astrology community, right. There's all these like fake astrology, people taking over people's accounts and creating, fake um astrology account yeah. you know it's like it's hard to know like who are you even talking to you know it's just like in the social media world and there's so much of that that's been going on um so that's not like that's a new thing that gets introduced with mars squaring neptune for so long um and so hopefully what i'd be hoping is there's like a there's like a that uh journalistic piercing through quality um, because what's going on, we're going to then shift into, you know, eventually the end of the month, Jupiter coming back into Pisces. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was at NORAC actually, um, yeah, I was, I, Lynn Bell came up to talk to me about like what I had written about Jupiter and Neptune and, um, she had gave a talk on Jupiter and Neptune at the conference and I'm, I started talking to her about this coming up, um, the Mars retrograde squaring Jupiter, Neptune, and just how that could be concerning. And then she said something about like, well, that could also just really bring things into form. And I, I do think there's something to that because Jupiter, Neptune is so, there's so much dissolving and um, formlessness that gets opened up in these visions. And the Mars being in such a catalytic aspect with it could really catalyze, you know, really creating something out of this process of Jupiter Neptune. I think in world events, it's going to look, you know, very chaotic, like you're saying. Um, but yeah, so personally, before creation, <laughs> yeah, per- personally, it could be very creative. Um, and, and well, I feel like it, before well, we get to, I guess we, there's something we skipped over. I want to make sure we come back to because like, before we jump into the Mars retrograde. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise. Yeah. Well, I feel like another thing to, to keep in mind too, is just, I mean, Mars is our, you know, motivational drive to do things. And so just from a very simple perspective, <laughs> there could be a lot of wind out of people's sails, like, you know, with a square to Neptune, um, it just uh, can be a little difficult to, I mean, think about Mars uh, Neptune conjunction that just happened with the lunar eclipse and, um, and that whole week. It's a, it was like, everybody felt like they were just swimming through things. Now, of course this is, that was Pisces and just water, but um, there is this diffusive quality when it comes to just energy in general and then Mars retrograding on top of it. So just don't be surprised if there's a, like energy is very deflated in a sense, um, especially if your head's not in the game and you're, you're not like connected with it, like in like mentally with the, you know, the idea inspires you or, you know, because 
you have to, it's almost like you have to be inspired intellectually, I think, to really motivate and move forward. But what I did want to say within uh, Mars, just a couple things here within the US chart, just because, you know, we are going into the um, election energy and this Mars retrograding is, you know, it's, it's in proximity to the U S is Mars. So obviously yeah. there's going to be this diver- di- divisive quality. Um, but also I think with Mercury trining Pluto right before, uh, you know, this happens and then Mercury moves into Libra, like Mercury in Virgo is much more discerning. It might be, it might even like keep to itself a little bit, you know, like being kind of that reflective, receptive quality. But I think once Mercury gets into uh, Libra on the 11th of October and Mercury uh, and Mars and Neptune square, exactly. This is when there's just going to be a lot of stimulus coming up, right? Because everyone's going to have a side. Everyone's going to have opinion. Everybody's going to have, of course, we'll have the disinformation, but it's like, just be aware that there's just going to be so much. And do you choose to engage with that? Do you have the energy to engage with that? What does even engaging with that do? You know, does it just suck you of your, you know, <laughs> uh, motivation? And so just be becoming aware when you're in it, because when you're in it and you're passionate and someone's, con- uh, you're contesting your idea, you know, that's when Mars and Gem- Mars and Gemini loves to debate, like de- it's a debating sign and throw Libra energy in, in there. And it's just like debate central. So I guess all I'm saying is like, maybe don't waste your breath. Like <laughs> if it doesn't, you know, because I feel like we can just be going around in circles, trying to convince people of opinions and positions when. Well, good. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, <clears throat> I guess if you want to go like a week forward or so, like, so like from October 18th to October 22nd, I guess would be the one other little thing to comment on before we get into the retrograde and try to, um, which is just that, you know, Venus and Libra goes through the trine with Mars, a first quarter trine, and then into the heart of the sun on October 22nd. And that one on October 22nd at 29 Libra is significant because it's marking a shift of the um, Venus star points. Uh, shifting into Libra from Scorpio. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of a big deal that the superior conjunction is actually going to be in Libra um, instead of being at the end of Scorpio, like it has been pre- in, re- in past years. Mm. Um, that's a big shift. It takes a while for Venus to, it'll be at one sign usually on its star point, And then it, that slowly shifts. So we're at this period now where we're going from it being in Scorpio back into Libra, her own sign. And that's happening at the same time Saturn is stationing direct. And so there's this odd grand watt air trine, air triangle between Saturn stationing. I mean, it's very widely trying to be very but, wide, but, it's but, 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 but Mercury is trining it. Yeah. Mercury is trining it. Yeah. Um, and then Mars is Mars. trining it in Gemini. So, um, this is, and this is like, now we're, when this happens, we're getting this reanimation rebirth of Venus right before Venus is, uh, Mars is going um, retrograde a week later, basically, or so about a week later, Mars goes retrograde and 
Jupiter goes back into Pisces. So right after this, there's a, a big this change. whole period, like this is this is kind of the start of like a big period. I coincidentally, I'm going to a wedding on this day. <laughs> wow. <That's laughs> Which I thought cool. it was interesting. Um yeah. with the I'm like, this is a and they just pick, you know, just pick a date out of the air. Yeah. I'm like, oh, look at that. That's um, cool. Well, I would say with Saturn stationing and that reanimation of Venus, this is a good time to try to get some clarity you know getting gaining clarity um just concerning your relations and what's going on with your life because we we're right before all this stuff happens where it's basically this combination of like eclipses coming through really intense eclipses coming through combined with mars going retrograde squaring jupiter neptune so like this is like right before all this stuff starts happening yeah. And then really Venus is going through her own thing, like right before to lead up to the reanimation, because she's going to uh, trine Mars in her yeah. position there. And she's going to square Pluto. Yeah. Um, and the Very sun's going to square Pluto. Pluto. Yeah. Venus is going to square Pluto. So yeah. talk about, talk about going into the, you know, getting, <laughs> there's a lot, there's some really potent energy that leads up to that, especially yeah. relationally. So um, there can be some tension before, but also and not even tension. It's almost like there's a togetherness of the, you know, the Venus Mars uh, dynamic um and they're maybe they're encountering these changes together because obviously venus is feeling the the tension of pluto mars is getting really still and ready to station and go back over you know like what its whole thing is um and in the neptune quality so there is this um there's a significant lead up and like you were saying this is basically the moment on the 22nd, when Venus and the sun meet, that is literally going through this side-by-side motion of the two that is taking us to the solar eclipse on the 25th of October that has the moon, sun, and Venus all conjunct there um, in Scorpio. Yeah, so we get that solar eclipse. Um, and then it's right, so there's, yeah, solar eclipse in Scorpio, I mean, just, I don't I feel like we can same stuff we've already been talking about, yeah, but it, it, it will be, it is notable just to think about uh, in terms of the stuff that happened in the end of April through May, you know, there's an, another set of eclipses coming in here that could be making some deepening of those changes or just something about those eclipse that eclipse story comes back. Um but then what happens is it's right after this that we get to Jupiter going into Pisces. Um, so Jupiter comes Mercury back. moves Mercury moves through the square with Pluto and also goes into Scorpio. And that's what I find so interesting about these side by or these two eclipse seasons um, this year is that Jupiter dances in between signs in both of them. It's like, mm. oh, right in the middle of your, yeah, your solar eclipse to your lunar eclipse, Jupiter's like, I'm moving to another sign. Yeah. And and Jupiter moving to another sign. I mean, that's a big it's a big it's deal. It's a big deal. Like, it is a big, a big deal. deal. <laughs> so it just adds even more to that kind of, you know, that forward progress, that growth story, the world events, cultural uh, tie-ins that are taking place. Um, and this is where I really think that Jupiter moving back into Pisces uh, around October 28th, 27th, 28th, somewhere in there, uh, it has to do with this, to me, this unfinished baggage <laughs> that needs to be uh, ha- handled. Um and baggage doesn't have to be a ne- 
negative thing. It's just, there's, there's unfinished, how about unfinished business uh, that Jupiter has in Pisces before it can really Aries itself out. So um, yeah. So yeah, we basically have Jupiter moving in. So we're hot in the middle of eclipse season here. Uh, Mars is going to go retrograde on the 30th, October 30th. It'll be a very interesting Halloween. I think if we're, we're celebrating here, um, and we're basically moving to that. Yeah. So now we're into the Mars retrograde. So, I mean, this can be, um, I feel like people have kind of really different experiences. I know some people get really frustrated. They feel like they can't do stuff during Mars retrogrades. I mean, other people, like I myself will often sometimes experience, even though there can be frustrating things, I often find myself like kind of breaking free and maybe doing something different, moving in a new direction. I think it's always good idea to be curious about what are the new desires mm. coming up and emerging. Um, it's a real, it's a super intensive vacation of Mars. Looking back at the past times that Mars has been retrograde in Gemini, um, especially the last two um, are not each time the United States has actually been involved basically in a war um, or a lead up to, to a war. So the last one was um, October 20th of 1990 to the end of 1990, December 31st of 1990. And this is kind of in the in the air where I mean it was it was a couple of weeks after the Mars retrograde ended that the U.S. Um, uh, U.S. bombardment and bombing of Iraq happened in the Gulf War, but during uh, the buildup to it, like um, in the beginning of August, is when Saddam Hussein um, invaded Kuwait, and like September of 1990, leading into the the retrograde, is when the President Bush gave like a speech about. Um, and, and there was sort of like a buildup of January 17th. Um, no, um, that's, that's January 17th is when it actually began, but there is definitely like a buildup. There's like a buildup. So in that case, the, the a war happened after it. Um, and that was also relative to the Gemini, which is something we're seeing with Ukraine right now. Um, the Gulf War was, that was the first one where, broadcast media was like you know broadcasting from the battles and that idea of like the media 24-hour news cycle covering wars and stuff mm-hmm. that was a kind of like a newer th- new thing for america then the previous time was in the 1943 so it was october 28th 1943 and that was about 22 gemini which is closer to that u.s sibley gemini yeah and that went into January 10th, 1944. So I went from like 22 Gemini back to five Gemini. That one was, it was a lot more similar to what this one is. And that one, there was already World War II going on. And the United States was already in that war. Um, and there were some really horrific Holocaust events that happened during that retrograde. But when I just looked up, like, what's just how does this time period of the war get summed up on Wikipedia just to see what they would say? Mm-hmm. It said something like allies gain momentum was sort of like their keyword summary of that involving that time period. Um, so even though there are battles lost on both sides, um, I guess that was seen of a, of a, of a period where the U.S. and its allies were starting to make gain some momentum in the, in the, in the war. Um, 
So um, it doesn't mean the United States is is definitely going into a war here. We're, we're already kind of involved in the Ukraine war. Um, but again, like you mentioned, when you showed that U.S. Sibley chart, Mars, Gemini, um, the U.S. involvement in, in global wars or, or everything that's behind the scenes, um, as opposed to like us actually full-on fighting somebody, I mean, you know, could be, could be really relevant. I mean, that's, yeah. It's interesting. I was curious really just to, to see what, where, like, what kind of eclipse cycles were happening in, in both those years that you mentioned. And it seemed like the uh, North Node was in Aquarius for the 1990 and it was in Leo for the 1943. Because mm. just thinking about like the US chart in general and obviously us having eclipses in this kind of 12th, 6th dynamic, <laughs> just wondering how that might play in, you know, especially since. I think of something we haven't even said yet is, uh, you know, obviously Scorpio and the solar eclipse um, is a Mars ruled sign. So this adds even more dynamic to the Mars story because we're having eclipses in a Mars sign. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you want to go to that, the November 8th lunar eclipse. So that's like election day. So one thing we do know is whatever happens, we know that there's all this conflict around this election that's coming up in the United States. Um, if you're in another country, you know, you're going to have your own thing going on. But just relative to the U.S. example, yeah, well, we know we're going to have this election that will have consequences. And whatever happens with it, it's going to be tied up with this Mars retrograde. And, and we're only at the very beginning of the Mars retrograde here. So whatever kind of conflict comes out, you know, of that election we're going to be kind of riding all the way through the mars retrograde this is one storyline but this is like such a powerful lunar eclipse yeah it's exactly on uranus really close to the north node and then mercury's on the south node and and mercury's not the sun mercury i love mercury uh, but one word that's not used about mercury ever is stable really (laughs) no not one known for, <laughs> not known for, for stability. St- stability. So yeah. yes, yeah. So again, big change. Yeah, and this yeah, is the one that every. Yeah, and, and Saturn's squaring it again. So it's um kind of an even more extreme version of that lunar eclipse we had in May. Just because it's even Uranus is so closely involved in this one, it's still squaring Saturn like the other one, but this one has. Yeah. What do you think of the difference? And Mars is now retrograde. Now, you know, the other one had like yeah. Mars was at least trining it in Pisces. Um, Mars is retrograde in Gemini and like Mar- basically Mars not, not, yeah, ruling the South Node, you know, not an aspect to it. Um, well, and Venus is in her. Venus is back on the South Node side in Scorpio. Combust, yeah. You know, yeah. like they're both not in the greatest of places, basically. Yeah. So Venus and Scorpio, the Sun and Scorpio, Mercury and Scorpio, the South and Scorpio are all, um, you know, they're all under the care of Mars retrograde and Gemini. Yeah. So yeah. there's, there's the very extremely rebellious quality here with the, with the lunar eclipse also exactly on uranus so um what do you think you can about only like, expect there's just major major mass yeah just big disruptive changing events but again like this is like on a personal level 
you know, there's a lot of stuff that can really change here. And so, um, all we can know is like, things aren't going to stay the same, whatever is happening, whatever's happening in near Scorpio, Taurus, Aquarius, and and probably Gemini, (laughs) it's not going to stay the same. It's interesting though, having the moon in, you know, an exalted moon versus a a fallen moon, um, with the, with the previous eclipse. Um, cause I mean, there, there is a North node push here versus the last lunar eclipse that had a South node push. And so it change is definitely happening, but it seems more, I mean, there is a forward moving dynamic to it, obviously. Um, it could bring about the fall or of a exalted people. Maybe, I don't know. Sometimes exalted people becoming eclipsed. I don't know. I mean, that is a pretty simplistic interpretation, but that could be something that happens. Well, there's something to be said about that only because obviously, obviously it happens on November 8th, but the energy that's seated in this particular day is already, you know, there in the cosmos. So we have the lead up to it. And one of the things I was talking about with, uh, um, Mackenzie Greer and the Jupiter and Aries program was, just the potency of the zero degrees Aries point, it being a place of changes of power. Mm -hmm. Um, And so during this eclipse, you know, obviously we saw Jupiter move back in. Where was it? So, so this whole time uh, Jupiter's on the zero degree point for the lunar uh, or sorry, the solar eclipse. So there's something to be said for that just as an eclipse in general. Like, I mean, it moved in there when uh the previous eclipse cycle uh, that we just went through in the spring here but their solar eclipse is has jupiter on the zero degree point for this whole eclipse you know unleashing <laughs> so yeah that's no, more potent yeah in, in the sense so you should so bring up the the changes in power or falling from a, a place or just um or maybe a new person coming into power that is very uh you know held up in some regard, um, that could, is different. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, we got this Uranian quality. It's going to be a Uranian quality to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so definitely kind of change agents, disruptive things exactly. coming in. Yeah. Cause that's the thing about the South, you know, the South node and the Scorpio, we think of like these changing effects, but some, you know, changes can be a good thing. Like it's just a destabilizer. Um, and yeah. So, Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to so, skip ahead some then? That's, or, uh, I don't so, know how much time you want to go. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's get, a, get a move on here because this is kind of like the very, very active point here. And obviously we see it's. Yeah, I mean, this is like, this is possibly the big configuration of the year, even. I mean, yeah. Not the one I want to celebrate the most, but just as far as the most massive. <laughs> The like you're, that, you're that, looking at like wow like that it's that lunar eclipse yeah yeah right on my ankles um, like, <clears throat> so uh so in november um well venus finally gets out she gets out of scorpio she moves into sagittarius on november 16th yeah uh just before mars uh, perfects its second square with um neptune on yeah. the 19th of November. Mm-hmm. That's a so big, yeah. That, I think that's going to be, be a, another turning point to this, mm-hmm. this Mars-Neptune story. And now we got Mercury and Venus in Sagittarius. So here we got the Jupiter 
component coming back with Jupiter in Pisces. So um, when we think about Sagittarius energy, there's always kind of that movement of what what is what is next, what's on the horizon. We got to get that broadened horizon. Um, uh, Jupiter te- Jupiterian quality, and the Sun is not too far behind it. Um, so we kind of go in this mutable territory in uh, mid late November. There, November twenty second, when the Sun moves into Sagittarius. But this mutable territory is has the dominion of uh, Jupiter over there in Pisces kind of near Neptune where Mars is all stirring that up. And I think just to, just to flash forward real quick, just what, uh, the next big Mars uh, move, I think is the, the full moon um, on mm-hmm. December 7th. Mm-hmm. The full moon is going to be when we have that sun Mars opposition with the moon there. So December 7th has, <laughs> Um, some interesting energy to it regarding that cycle. Yeah. And, and you don't need to show the chart, but I could just quick the, so the lunation that leads into this, like the first one that's not an eclipse around November 23rd, there's a Sagittarius new moon that happens at the same time. Um, Jupiter is stationing direct in Pisces. So the, mm, it's not in close, Jupiter's not in close because the new means at the beginning of Sagittarius and Jupiter's at the end of Pisces, but there, because it's stationing and it's, yeah. it's still in a whole sign square aspect. Um, there's Boy, something the there that seems like it's like a kind of like recover, like just how to like reorient to what's, what's been, so whatever comes out of those eclipses and all that stuff we're just looking at. I feel like that new moon is something about, you know, how do we kind of get back together, Jupiter is stationing and how are we going to go forward? And then, yeah, then it just leads into this incredibly, um, Volatile, amped volatile. up, full moon. Volatile, full moon. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a full moon in Gemini that is, yeah, right with Mars. So it's this is also like the heart of the Mars retrograde where Mars is as close to us as it gets in its orbit. It's like as hot, it's like this hot, fiery part of its uh, solar cycle. Um, it's a hot, fiery planet. Um, the full moon is like full of light, just like lighting it up. Um, it's a loud full moon. It's a very, very loud, full, loud moon. full moon. Yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> Venus is squaring at Jupiter, Neptune. Um, and so I feel like, uh, to me, like this speaks a lot to, um, you know, political whiplash in, in a sense, because I mean, we're talking about signs that have to do with, you know, the, the talking heads and, and opinions and facts and beliefs and philosophies and positions. And, um, and so this could be just an escalating journey basically of the Mars retrograde in, in Gemini. Um, and mm-hmm. it being so close to the election itself, it's, <clears throat> it's not, you know, election doesn't happen and it just ends or there, there's, you know, I guess a whiplash to it or verbal whiplash. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is, this is also the last little bit of Jupiter and Pisces. I mean, Jupiter still is in Pisces, um, ruling the sun and being Venus is squaring uh, Jupiter, but is um, being received by Jupiter. And I'm noticing Venus is about 11 degrees in front of the sun at this point. So really re- in real life, 
Venus will be emerging into visibility as an evening star around here for some people in locations. Um, she'll probably really be visible. She's not quite at that 15 degree mark, but one thing that is happening that makes me think of is Venus has been on this long underworld journey. And right at this, this full moon that's, that's aligned with Mars retrograde is also kind of announcing this phasal shift of Venus coming out of the underworld and we'll be able to see her again. And she's got Mercury up ahead of her. Mercury is also visible. Um, Jupiter is like heading back to that zero Aries point. So depending on whatever else is going on in the world, like this does seem like a, par- a moment to really get Mars retrogrades, even though they can be frustrating and difficult, I do think they can really resurrect and help you figure out um, what is your purpose in the world? You know, how do you really want to direct your will? What are your deeper desires? Um, I know there's a way Adam Gainsberg and some of the other visual astrologers talk about too, this sort of phasal shift that comes in here. That's a little bit more than kind of going into like, um, how can you direct this out into the world to kind of be in more of like service with it? Um, so I think, even though it's a very disruptive time period, like personal person on a personal level, it's, it's, it's also sort of, very loudly um, announcing like these, this deeper, something really I'm um, starting to emerge out of this deeper metamorphic process that you might've been going through during this whole time period. Yeah. And well, I mean, I think about Gemini and Sag both and it being like the, this uh, storytelling place. Um, and mm-hmm. we're, when we're going back over what we have energy for, what we're passionate about, what our purpose is, it's, it, ultimately comes to uh what is the story we want to tell what is what is our story who who how how do we define that how do we define ourselves uh and our our movements and what we're passionate about and so um and it could be even like an after effect of all the eclipses that happened mm-hmm. you know gemini and sagittarius too which is a longer range story of 2020 and 2021 um and obviously we know a lot happened in those years too so there could be a redefining of like your story you know the story you tell yourself the story that you're writing uh beliefs such that you hold that are being examined or new beliefs that are coming in and then how do i align my actions and my thoughts and my my, my, you know, your word is your deed type of thing, uh, with it. And so, and it's mutable energy, right? You know, there's this transitioning phase and, um, but it's a transition of, uh, intellect and, and pos- potentialities and possibilities and inspirations, um, more so, I mean, obviously the physical thing is definitely going on with <coughs> eclipses and Taurus and Scorpio, but, um, this seems more of like a perceptual philosophical shift um that is happening within that helps us write the next leg of our you know tail um yeah like that change Mm -hmm. it's a good good idea well all right well we're getting closer we're getting closer and closer to the end of 2022 here um so i think the next uh thing that happens is other than I mean, just goes into Capricorn right there, but yeah, they're going to run the solstice around the solstice. Jupiter goes into Aries right before the sun goes into Capricorn around December 20th. Yeah. Yeah. Right before the solstice. Um, So basically December 20th Mm -hmm. and then um, 
the following uh, day, December 21st. So obviously we know there's some powerhouse energy happening. There always is when we get to a solstice or equinox. But once again, we got Jupiter back mm-hmm. on the zero degree point. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's really massive. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's massive in itself but it's massive to coincide with a solstice, a Capricorn solstice, because Capricorn is a, a seat of power and, mm-hmm. and stru- you know, um, which you already know, but, but what it's also doing is it's creating a square. With yeah. Jupiter. So if it's the first quarter, it's the, um, not the first quarter, or it's the closing square, quarter, the yeah. last quarter square of, um, yeah, the Jupiter cycle. Mm-hmm. So this is a real, this is when, I mean, Jupiter's already activated, of course, but this is definitely a moment. <laughs> for sure definitely and and right here you can see venus at you know even but traditionally if we if you use a 15 degree range of being under the beam she's coming out so this is like a uh using that definition like a likely rising venus although she's probably already been visible but it can be hard to see her so for some people so it's probably a period where you know she's becoming visible i really love i actually really like that um it's just like a nice omen for this end of this year that, that like she comes back out in Capricorn. And just to even think about all the, what she went through last year in Capricorn and here she comes back out seeing, being able to see her again as an evening star in Capricorn. And I, um, Gray, I don't think we really said um, either when we think about it, like as Venus, how far in the fall, you know, started to make her descent you know, back into the sun. And that's when Mars, the Mars story really kind of came. I mean, Mars mm-hmm. been present the whole time, but now v- Venus was invisible. Like Venus kind of Yeah, went she's away. been in the underworld this whole yeah. time. Yeah. And so it's been very Martian the whole mm-hmm. time and, and this weird, weird Martian energy. And so it is a blessing to see her start to rise again and be seen and visible. And like you said, coming to the point, um, that's so crucial in her previous retrograde journey, which is another underworld journey in itself. So um, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing that we're going to see Venus again after, after all this time we'll be like, where have you been? We knew <laughs> you missed so yeah. much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And training um, your honest. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Venus oh, so in the U S chart, the midheaven is in Pisces. So the Jupiter at that zero area is actually ruling the midheaven. Um, that's kind of interesting. See the moons in Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh oh, the moon is moon. opposite mars retrograde in gemini oh, yeah that's in the uh, sixth house so that's a little looks a little rough for the american <laughs> people there <laughs> on this on this so i don't know hopefully well we're but, going I mean, into another uh pluto another pluto return um moment i believe mm. in these last days of uh on on december 28th uh the day before um, I think right, you know, the day before Mercury goes retrograde. So the, the very end of this year, you know, so this is interesting ingress in relation to, you know, a week later, us having a third Pluto pass here in the US and Mercury stationing at the same yeah. time near there. Definitely. Yeah. So there's there's a lot, there's a lot of high energy going on. And I mean, part of it could be the lead in from all the commotion that is has been taken place with the 
you know, that full moon <laughs> in Sagittarius and then the Mars dynamic. And obviously we see it lit back up here with the moon. The moon is exactly on the ascendant of the Sibley chart um, wow. too. So that's lighting that whole thing up. And so once and Mars again, retrograde would be on the descendant then. So, I mean, one thing of no, is everywhere in the world, basically we have a moon off. They're all going to have the difficult placement in the U S of it being sixth house, 12th house, but everywhere is going to have a moon in Sagittarius opposite Mars retrograde and Gemini and that moon being ruled by the Jupiter and Aries. So I guess that's one thing. There's at least a trine between the Jupiter and Aries and the moon, but I do. It does look like very conflict. It looks like a lot of looks like a, yeah, that the whole like conflict going on around that just seems like it's going to just, it's going to continue continue through this. Yeah. And to just to go back to what you were saying in 1990, like, I mean, here we have Mars who's going to eventually station here um, Mm -hmm. in January uh, on the U S Uranus on the mm-hmm. descendants. So there, this, there, it does seem to be some sort of escalate, like the, whether it's foreign or it's domestic, at least in our country, um, something's happening. Something. Yeah, happening. definitely. Something's happening. Not scared people, you know, it's, uh, we yeah. got things to work out. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to know what that'll be because there's there's going to be so much changing between now and then that but we do know that at the end of the year like you're saying um right after that solstice chart there's a new moon in capricorn that's another one squaring jupiter so interestingly yet another of these jupiter activations with the new moon that we're getting a bunch of this second half of the year and then um i have this december 28th being the third u.s pluto return but that third U.S. Pluto return is happening with like, like your Mercury is stationing retrograde at the same time. Um, and interestingly, really close to Pluto. And then so Venus kind of comes through and um, forms a conjunction with Mercury stationing. And then it's obviously going to kind of go into a conjunction with Pluto. So interestingly, that third U.S. Pluto return, which I think is a, is that the final one that's exact? I think it is. I, I feel like it is, but I like I, I didn't I didn't research that right before this. Uh, I feel like I looked at that before and it was, but I'm let's let us look. Let us yeah. do our due diligence. I think of, it is because uh, I don't think um October 10th. Because next year it's gonna go oh, into no, there's gonna be another one. I know it goes into Aquarius and it comes back, but I wasn't sure yeah, if it goes far it goes, enough back. It does. It goes to 2753. And uh, U.S. is uh, oh, that no, it doesn't. But it comes to the same degree. I mean, it's really like, close. It's, it's like twenty it's minutes close away. Enough that, it's you close know, enough. There's, yeah, there's things still happening. <laughs> yeah, so it's not. It's not going to be. Yeah. And that's when is that that you have up there? October twenty twenty three. October, yeah, mid October twenty twenty three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'll still be going on, really. So it's yeah, not going to be another will. exact one. It's it's, like so this is the last exact thing. one, but it's it's still going to be happening in 2023. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's still notable that when this one happens, the third one happens. Um, 28th. We have Mercury stationing really close to it. So really Mercury is like intensifying that, that return and. Oh, it is. Something is, yeah, getting really picked up there. And in, in, in other countries around the world, it won't have the same 
you know, your country's Pluto return theme, but it'll be something very Plutonic is getting um, intensified. So some kind of really even more extreme kind of Pluto Mercury stationing quality of this real deepening, intensifying, maybe um, hidden things from hidden places getting released or becoming aware of. But then that Venus basically the Venus simultaneously component. moves through. Yeah. yeah. So Venus just like moves across Mercury into Pluto as that's happening. Yeah. I see. And, and we got, you know, and this is where she stationed, you know, Mercury stationing on the degree basically where she's stationed with Pluto um, in, you know, late 2021, uh, not to mention like, 24 degrees Capricorn where Mercury is stationing is like such a hot point degree because those are mm-hmm. crucial uh, grand conjunction co- degrees that have happened too. And we know that the, you know, those grand conjunctions have led us to where we are right now. So um, that adds to it uh, even more. And so, but it's interesting having Mercury and Venus together uh, lighting up that previous Venus Pluto thing. Um, Venus mm-hmm. being obviously a big issue in, in, in the world right now. Um, and some of the things that we talked about earlier with women's, uh, rights and abortion and, um, yeah. And it's just more probably memory says relations in general. I mean, being maybe a theme. Mm -hmm. So that could, in the U S could with Pluto issues could certainly be, um, issues of historic racism, oppression, misogyny, uh, abortion rights, reproductive rights, gun violence even I feel like can come in with this, especially how it intersects with like schools and children with Venus and Mercury both there. Um, so all these issues are kind of right there to be coming up again. Yeah. And another, mm-hmm. something else coming up relating to them. Um, obviously it's going to depend upon what happens between now and then, but yeah, it looks like a very intense third exact Pluto return time. And so, I mean, and the people outside the USA, this is just a really, <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of last year was like this too, though, because last year at the end of the year and like New Year's Eve, it had a very like strong, like Mercury, Venus, Pluto mm-hmm. kind of quality. So it's an interesting repetition a lot of in people a way. Got sick then too. That was a big theme of um, just a boost in, in yeah. COVID and sickness and um and we interestingly haven't talked about that, but that's certainly something <laughs> that could come in during the Mars retrograde period is, with you know, another with, and all the different and even between now and then all the different activations of the Saturn Uranus and the Mars, like there could be another wave of the pandemic. I mean, it already has come back. There already is a wave, I guess, in the U.S. again and other places right now where it's come back in higher numbers. Um so, yeah, there could be something related to that. Yeah. Again. And I, it made me think, too, with the Mars-Neptune uh, component as well. It's just I know um, where where we're getting, you know, gas from. And uh, yeah. the, the Europe right now uh, making a pact to uh, cut off uh, Russian gas completely by a certain time. And um, so that could be definitely a... Amar, you know, we think about Gemini just being a transactionary sign to Mercury ruled um, and Mars being a uh, cutting and Neptune being the, the gas and, and the fuel, et cetera. So that could be a story that also picks up too with uh, just trade relations um, changing. So 
it go 2022 going out with a yeah and it'll be a couple of weeks after this january around january 12th at mars stations direct um something else i put in my notes i forgot to mention it doesn't really change anything too much just making it maybe the mars retrograde even more extreme as far as new things happening is that for those that pay attention to declination mars is basically going to be out of bounds like the entire mm. time so <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it is i was looking like it's pretty much all of this like by the time mars stations retrograde in 2022 it's out of bounds if you look at the end of the year it's still out of bounds so um that wild mars. We, we, we just yeah it's just a wild yeah it's mars retrograde is already wild i think it just basically ups the the wildness <laughs> in, in a year that's has so much uranium stuff going on and eclipses, it just kind of ups the like really breaking out and uh yeah, unboundedness, un things being untethered and wild and changing and yeah. All right. Well, how do how do you feel about the the second half, Gray? What do you um you got a you got a word for it? Well, I know we've done the tarot cards before and um, a friend of mine, Jason, uh, actually, I don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly, but I know on Instagram, he's Jason of Mercury. He pulled a few, because we're, we're talking about the Mars side deck and he pulled a few cards for me and took three cards just to show me how to, how he interprets them. And the last card was the Fool. And we were talking about sort of like lightning, lightning, what you have going on, um, just creating, you brought up that pivot example earlier, you know, putting yourself in position to be adaptable, flexible, but also really open to this unknown potential and having to just kind of like the full kind of going off this precipice. Um, that's just what came to mind for me when you said that. Yeah. So that mm. kind of quality of, um, having to take on that full kind of, mentality mentality through this period yeah well that makes sense too just because the uh the fool is either some consider it to be elemental air which fits the bill for that and it also is considered to be uranus too so i mean it literally fits on (laughs) on all levels uh that card for this this time period and and the mars energy and the uranian energy and just all the air Mm -hmm. that's going to be happening so um you know Get ex- get excited about life. Get excited about change. Is like that's that's the way to get through it, um, and have the proper, uh, not proper. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, have what works for you with me- you know mental health routines and things along those lines. Because I feel like we need that when we need that when we go through a lot or we hear a lot or there's a lot of stimulus or a lot of change it's like you got you still have to find your stasis and your stability within yourself even when you're moving moving through a lot of moving parts or energy or potentialities or you know it's uh it's important but yeah definitely that's gonna be really important um there definitely could be a lot of mental anxieties coming in with all of this so take care of yourself folks you know there's a it's like we want to be positive. I feel like I feel like it's been hard to be positive about astrology in the last like three years. It's like I try to find like the silver linings to everything, but the the reality is that we're just going through so much. Um, well, I think and- yeah, yeah. I think it's like one thing you know. It's 
there's been a lot of problematic things in our culture for a long time and the way it, yeah. and so it's not like we really wanted things to stay the same. Yeah. But I think that's the silver lining is things are not going to be staying the same. So it's being really an active, active participant and creating, you know, the culture you want to be living in and the relationships you want to be in and the community you want to be in and the creative life you're living because you might as well, things are not, it's not, things are not staying the same. Things are really going to be changing. That's going to keep happening year after year coming up. So really oh. stepping into that. And I remember when uh, Uranus moved into Taurus originally, I did a program and I called it the new normal. Um, and it's essentially just what we're moving to. We're trying to get, we're trying to get to what the new normal is, even if it's always, a, it's a continually changing landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're, we're architecting that right now. And that's the beauty of having the South node in Scorpio. And like you just said, there's many things in our, in our lives and in our societies that have needed to change for a very long time. And we want to change and we might not even know how to change. Um, but sometimes the only way to change is to be almost like backed into a corner or pushed into the extreme extreme of it, just to be able to make that shift and realize it's too much to carry and, and what it doesn't fit in our new normal or what mm-hmm. we're, cre- what we're creating and building there. So, mm-hmm. um, drop it down that South node pipeline. <laughs> uh, so we can create this, but, um, all right, Gray. Well, I'm sure we've talked everyone's ears off, uh, for quite some time now. Um, so before we go again, tell us uh, where we can find you, what you got going on. Um, one more time. Yeah. My site's gray. Crawford.net G R A Y C R A W F O R D. .net. There, if for those who do are members of ESAR or ever check, I think you don't have to be a member of ESAR to see their webinars. In early July, I'm doing one on the 12th house. It's like their ESAR Star Club things. And then um, if anyone's going to the ESAR astrology conference or you heard about NORAC and it looked really exciting about everybody getting to hang out, you could still go to ESAR and be there for that great end of August transits we were talking about <laughs> it looked like a lot of fun um so that's i'll be giving a talk at esar and you can check my um just site for other events i'm doing all right well uh, of course i always share a blog post over at energeticprinciples.com so i'll have all of gray's information there as well uh, you can come and visit me over at energetic principles on social media where i'm there sometimes and other times i'm not because it's a lot to keep up with um <laughs> being real. Uh, come sign up for my newsletter. I got a newsletter that uh, comes out once a month at the beginning of the month, the heavenly wind that will tell you everything that is going on for that month ahead. Um, and that is free to your inbox. All you got to do is sign up. Um, all right. Well, wherever you listen to this, uh, leave a review, spread the good word, share it with a friend, um, a friend who has patience to listen to three and a half hour podcasts, uh, or likes to chunk it up. Uh, but there's lots of information here and it's good to know what's coming ahead at least at, like energetically, because I think it's, you know, it's a lot when you're living through it, but if you know some of the things that are coming, it'll be easier to manage. So, uh, sharing is caring. All right, Gray. Well, it is always a pleasure having you on the program. I welcome you back anytime. Well, thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. 
All right, everyone. And I uh, welcome you back anytime too. So thank you so much for listening to us here today. Uh, we'll catch you on uh, the flip side of maybe 2023 if Ray will join me again. <laughs> um, and <Yeah>. as always, <laughs> may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.